Welcome to Digimon Digital Moncast, uh, the show where we talk about Digimon and now Japan. Or, you know, whatever. Like, the boss is out and he left us the keys to the podcast, so we could kind of do whatever we want. No, we did that last week, Joel. And, like, it, things didn't go bad, but we hecked no, up. No, no, things, things we went probably up. as good as they could have possibly gone for recording an episode of Digimon. We didn't talk well, about like, Digimon at all. Like... Like, for the listeners at home, again, we don't know when you'll hear that. It will be a bonus episode, definitely. It will come out soonish. But, yeah, like, as far as, like, off-topic things, that was the best scenario, because the other, the other case was just, we could have talked about Westworld for, like, two hours instead. And yeah, you know, says we, an we keep talking about doing that, and we should just pull the trigger. Like, I got, I got feelings about robots here, Jules, that I really want to get out there. You, thi- you think I don't? Joel, I literally have two fucking badges on my main jacket that say I heart robot girls and I heart robot boys. Hey, look, robot robots of whatever gender they like feel mm-hmm. they identify with are fantastic. Yes, robots are awesome, and I have a lot of like not things to say, but just like ruminations on Westworld. Oh god, this is happening, isn't it? it, uh, <laughs> oh, no. it like, was inevitable. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, oh no, we're turning this episode into about Westworld. Anyway, yes, uh, as you can tell, Tyler's not here at the moment. He's currently dealing with the whole moving situation. Uh, so he left us in charge, which was a terrible mistake. Um, yeah, I kind of feel bad. I kind of <laughs> feel bad because, like, I mean, he's stuck without internet for like a month. That fucking blows, and that's ridiculous. And we're not making that easier on him. Nope. And that's Joel, by the way, folks. Yeah, well, how did I forget to do the inch? Oh, no, this is. Okay, anyway. <laughs> look, I'm look, Jules, I'm sympathetic to the situation you're in, but not so sympathetic that I'm going to abandon my like number one cause on this show, which is to completely disrupt any semblance of order and structure that it might have. God, but then that just becomes our order and structure. Chaos becomes our normality. I mean, sure, but at least with chaos, you don't know what to expect other than the unexpected. That's true. Like, that's still a pretty wide list of things. True, you can expect us to, you know partially shit on a show that we loved as kids. Yes, yes, there will definitely be some of that. I can I can guarantee that. Yeah. Well, I honestly didn't look up Digimon news because I know there's none. Like I was actually I just remembered right as we started the call that oh yeah, I was going to do that. Um Well, okay, I hold on. Typed l- Digimon news. I typed Digimon news into Google and that's as far as I've gotten. I um, I lent in close to my keyboard so people could hear me typing in Digimon news. I mean, it certainly came through on my end. Uh, they they finally they finally um announced when the next episode of Try is coming out. Oh, when was that? Uh, this article says December sixth, so apparently earlier this week. 
Okay, well. <laughs> um, it's called Digimon Adventure Try Lost. And <laughs> Jeez. God, they're burying the they're burying the lead on this. Uh, it's set to hit the big screens on February 25, 2017. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. I, that title, Jesus Christ, that's an Evangelion movie title. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like, man. <laughs> I'm just imagining now. Okay, like, here, here. Do you want the do you do you want the write up for it? Yeah, sure. From let's, Anime News Network. Let's hear it. All right. Following Mekuman's rampage and the reboot. Apparently, there's a reboot. I'm not apparently. up on try. Um, tai Chi and the others leave behind distressed Me- Mako. Yeah. And head to the and head to the digital world. But the partner Digimon that they've reunited with have lost their memories. Oh no. They once again try to forge new connections, but only Biomon is wary, telling her partner Sora that she doesn't know anything about the past. While Sora normally thinks of others even before herself, she now has distrust in her heart. As Sora stands heartbroken, Ty and Matt cannot find the words to help her. Oh no! It's a shitty love triangle! Meanwhile, in the real world, Nishijima? Yeah. Receives a notice that Himikawa has disappeared. Okay. I don't. I'm I, incredibly we, lost now. I believe those, those are the two agents. Okay. When he investigates, he learns that she has a hidden goal behind all her actions thus far. That's where it ends. That. Oh, fuck. fuck. Okay. I'm sorry. A Digimon movie being named Lost. <laughs> like. Yeah. That is. Okay. Like, I'm just imagining Digimon, you are not Garurumon. <laughs> like, and, like, part of the ruse fucking in parentheses. Like, that is some darker shit right there. Yeah. I, I can't say that... I don't know the last time I saw a synopsis for something that involved characters that have been around for a long time getting amnesia mm. that made me look forward to that content. Yeah, because that's never, like, honestly a fun trope. To explore. No. Like, and quite frankly, I'm not sure what you could do with it that hasn't been done a million times before. But this could be mildly interesting with Digimon, at least. I mean, they already ignore half the bizarre shit that's happened in their past. I don't see what, like, although canonically although, saying they've forgotten it no, changes. No, no, okay, but I post you the scenario. What if, when Matt is trying to jog Garbamon's memory, he fucking brings out the swan boat? Fuck, if this if that entire episode <laughs> is leading up to the triumphant return of the swan boat, I will completely change my tune on it. Fuck. And if that happens, don't you dare spoil that for me before <laughs> I see it. God, I just I cannot get over that swan boat. Like Oh god, the swan boat is the best character on the show. Well, because I remember we at first were like, why do we remember the swan boat? And cause it sticks around to the point where it gets its own reaction shot. <laughs> it does! It gets its own reaction shot. That is my favorite thing about the swan boat, and the fact that it starts... How did they never, how did they never have a swan boat action figure followed by a battle damage swan boat the, action the figure? The fact that it has battle damage later on, that from something we don't ever see, like it's just wear and tear that we don't see happen to it on screen. Oh, just wear and tear. There was absolutely some sort of sea kerfuffle. The Swamp Boat <laughs> valiantly fought off a Seedramon or something. You know it. Oh, I'm just imagining that Swamp Boat surviving a Seedramon attack. Like, that, that thing's like, what happened to it? Is it still waiting there? Oh, that Swamp Boat is... That Swamp Boat is the only thing that could survive a full reformatting of the digital world. 
It would be that one file that, like, no matter what you do to it, it always says access is denied when you try to delete it. God, I'm just... Ple- like, no one from Bandai or Sunrise is listening to this, but please, somehow, bring the swan boat back. Please. This is this is my prayer to the world. This is me, like, calling upon the world for energy for a spirit bomb. Bring back the swan boat. Okay, if we get kids all across the world to send emails to <laughs> to the studio saying that the swan they need to bring back the swan boat, it'll give the swan boat the energy to rise up. Reroute all those emails to my change.org pet- uh, petition to get the swan boat back in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we should move on to this actual episode. I suppose. Um... And it's, like, we're not avoiding it, folks. Like, it's not a necessarily a bad episode or anything it's just no it actually really isn't like i talked about like shitting on it and we definitely will shit on it at times but like it it's fine i mean this is the good period yeah yeah like it it's just this is there's a lot to like here this is essentially a big filler episode but that's not it's not a terrible one it's not boring at least it's it's a filler episode in the sense that it's filler from the normal show which is almost all filler yeah and at least this filler doesn't involve them walking in a desert no, actually, they uh, they get to finally, like, do all of their aimless wandering without using their feet for a while. Yeah. Well, okay, let's solve the episode. So. I would I would actually say this episode is the culmination of 30 episodes of Wandering in the Desert. Finally. God. <laughs> but anyway, um, this episode starts with uh, Myrus Mon and De- Um, We should, I, I know we didn't look up the DVD stuff, because oh, as we right. alluded to in the last episode that nobody actually has probably heard yet, um, we don't know where Tyler gets the DVD titles from. He didn't give us a like. We don't know this. Like, <laughs> yeah. This... Um, that's that's hidden. That's not like it's hidden information. We just never asked, and it didn't occur to us until recently that we can't just find it. Yeah, like because I did. I did. I did do a cursory search and didn't find much. Same here. I did a slightly deeper search, so I don't know. Um, um but the the English title of it. This is episode thirty, and the English title is almost home free. And the Japanese title is Digimon, The Great Crossing of Tokyo. Oh, fuck, that's a better title. That is, like, because that's also way more accurate. Right, but it also sounds more epic, you know? The the Great Crossing of Tokyo, like, that sounds like something that would be in, like, it's like the parting of the Red Sea kind of but thing. But I also you know? don't like it necessarily as much because it's too epic for what happens in this episode. Oh, see, that's why I love it. Because <laughs> it has, like, this episode doesn't deserve that epic title at all, and no. that's hilarious. Like, I do like Almost Home Free because it is the case where you. This episode is, like, emphasizes that these are children. That they don't yeah. understand. Yeah, that's things, super clear in this episode. Which I appreciate because I do honestly like the fact that this show is about kids. Yeah, I think it's an important part of the show. That's one of the reasons why it works as much as it does. And to some degree, like, I think. Th- Either the pacing or bad writing or bad jokes actually lend to the fact that these are kids and they sound like kids, not kids always sounding like adults. Well, and it, and I mean, it gives a built-in explanation for a lot of the stupid-ass decisions, too, because... The children! Like, what would a 10-year-old do, given full autonomy and a, like, personal pet that can, like, destroy buildings? Yeah! So this episode opens with Minus Mon and Demi Devimon talking, and essentially, Demi, De- Demi Devimon's just bragging about how... We've got it covered. We're going to find this child. We're going to find this new Digidestin. Yeah, my Otisman's all irritated that it hasn't, like, they haven't found 
one child out of all of Tokyo yet. He's not irritated enough to get out of his coffin, though. No, no, I mean, he's he's just miffed at this point, I guess. But still, like, I, I feel like his impatience here, like, dude, maybe if you, like, put on 20 coats and walked around a bit <laughs> and saw how many fucking kids there are here, you'd realize how hard this is. I'm surprised when he was a dark, malevolent cloud messing with electronics in a neighborhood, he wasn't, like, he didn't see a lot of people. I, I mean, can he can he see when he's a cloud? Maybe. I didn't. Boy, that was a you you thought about that for a long time. Yeah, because you asked me a question. <laughs> I what you think I'm just gonna be flipping about this? No, I want to I mean, know. I if am you're a cloud. Can you see? <laughs> no, this is the whole joke about this show of ours. I take everything on it extremely seriously. Well, I mean, that's 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 probably for the best. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see when we get to Adventure O two and but see how long my resolve lasts. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, well, nothing, nothing, nothing is for the best when we're on Adventure O two. Like simply that's being there, we've already potential. lost. Anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be sad about Adventure O two just I, yet. We've got we've got we've got so much time before we get there. Don't remind me. Of... <laughs> I really love this scene. Though, where uh, Demi Demimon just, you know, kind of summarizing, yeah, we've been looking everywhere for him, and we haven't found him yet, but we're we're working on it. And they just actually show every like a bunch of his agents around. Like Wizardmon is doing like real ass magic. I for love children. that he's just being like a children's entertainer in a park or something. I like he's got the crest there, and he has been checking it. But like, I like I like to imagine that like. He's kind of half forgotten <laughs> the actual point of this and is just really enjoying because we'll see him again later in the episode. Like I, I like to imagine he's gotten completely carried away with this persona. Yep. <laughs> and at this point, he's actually just enjoying performing. Then, then one tries to interrupt. He's like, "Please, I'm in the middle of an act." <laughs> he's just tying like balloon animals as well. Yeah, it's oh man, it's fantastic. Like at one point, he turns I don't know some rags or something into a flock yeah. of doves, or I suppose. I suppose Dove Mon, or I don't know, maybe they're from whatever like digital digital world the marching fishes come from. Oh man! Imagine like so that that's like so marching fishes was one season of Sentai. The next one will be like flying doves. Like, oh god, doves would be a really good one. <laughs> I mean, there have been aerial Sentai before. Just like the imagery, though. Like, yeah, no, totally. Like, although you then you would have the the weird conundrum Sentai gets into of just like, yeah, well, the peace, and now and now this monster will taste, you know, the edge of my olive branch sword. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's like wait, wait, wait. Tone I down will I will defeat you with the power of my peace gun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so essentially we see a lot of the like evil, like I guess lieutenants, not necessarily the minions, just. Like, checking all the major landmarks. Like, Skull Miramon is dressed up like Vincent Adultman. <laughs> like, in a gigantic cloak. I love his outfit! <laughs> he's just, like, wearing, like, like you said, he's just wearing a big trench coat and a floppy hat. Like, he's just... And, and, gl- just big and like, big old hulking. gloves, but you can see his fucking metal face underneath <laughs> everything. Like, he's not completely hidden at all. Like, the funny thing is, is it's like... I don't know if they went to fucking, um, oh god, what is, it's not Akihabara, I, I mean, they could go to Akihabara and blend in, honestly, with the amount of cosplayers there. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I know, like, there is one specific area of Japan where basically, like, 
cosplay is just so normal in like one part of yeah, the it's neighborhood. Like, it's like there's parts of New York where, like New York City, where you could be a monster and just walk around and nobody would think twice because because there's unlicensed versions of like pop culture characters on every street corner trying to sell you things. That that is my one of my favorite uh, anecdotes from the filming of Red Dwarf when they're filming the episode backwards and it's Rimmer and Crichton, the actors in full costume, so a man in a shiny green like outfit with a cap on with an antenna sticking out of it and an H stuck to his forehead <laughs> and a man in like full android gear with a misshapen head walking backwards. I love backwards that their solution in... for showing something was a hologram was to stick an H on his forehead. I mean, it's fucking perfect. It gets the point across amazingly well. But right, then, it requires like... no special effects whatsoever. <laughs> but then just like... So, it's basically like these two ridiculously dressed men walking backwards in the street of London because they need to film the episode and then reverse it to right to actually release because they taking it takes place on an earth that time runs backwards and they I said, remember that episode no, yeah it's a great episode and they mentioned the, the commentary track that no one paid any attention to them <laughs> no one bat a single fucking eye at these two clowns well, in I the mean, middle of the street that's long been like a like pop psychology mm. thing, right? Like yeah. you know, any of your any of your great humorists have observed that that like the human being has an amazing capacity for ignoring stuff that doesn't make sense. Like Terry Pratchett's written about it, Douglas Adams has written about it. Oh like, yeah. It's, it's... when faced with something impossible to explain, your average person just decides to pretend they didn't see it. Yeah. And like it's not even a conscious decision. It's just the brain kind of filters out things that don't make sense. Yeah, like, minus the actual in-universe explanation for it, it's kind of why I love the TARDIS, because it's just a weird fucking blue box that people ignore, because why would you pay attention to a weird blue box? Even the in-universe explanation for it is, like, half-based on that. It preys upon that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, so we've got technology that kind of taps into that innate, like, human thing and just sort of massages that, like... Yeah, and just like, oh, okay, nope, that's just a blue box. Okay, I'm going to keep on my day. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's a great... Maybe that's... Maybe that's part of the Digimon thing. I mean... Because, like, to some degree. Well, I mean... Not, we, not like, completely. I mean, we already kind of had an instance of that in the first episode where Ty came back, where, you know, the Digimon were kind of bleeding through, and some people could see them, and some people couldn't, and the news... That's true, yeah. News report was just saying, yeah, you know, some people have recorded reported seeing monsters on our screen, and, uh, you know, we, we think they should, you know, probably seek some help, because that's crazy. <laughs> it's like... It doesn't matter that, you know, hundreds of independent accounts have corroborated this. It doesn't make sense, so we're going to ignore it. Well, anyway, moving on. uh, We do get, like, I I actually like this part because it does hint at, like, the enemies they're going to be facing. Right, yeah, no, this is, up until now, they've always just been, like, silhouettes and, you know, sort of hinting at, ooh, there's, you know, these monsters here, and you don't really get a good look at them. And here they're actually finally saying, nope, they're, you know, they're around if you're paying attention, you can spot them. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I mean, like, the one they fight today, who, spoiler alert, is just basically a giant squid, is literally just swimming around in a river. Like, he swims past a boat. Yeah, but, okay, we do see, like, how people have rationalized seeing monster Digimon in broad daylight. I'm not surprised if the residents of Tokyo and the Digimon universe just don't give a shit. 
I mean, it's it's got to be like living in a universe where kaiju exist, right? Where anything less than a full-on Godzilla just doesn't even register anymore. <laughs> yeah, like it ha- like you must be this monstrous for us to pay attention to you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like like oh, it's just a sm- it's like a small tentacle monster. <laughs> Whatever. Like in the in the 1990s revival of Gamera, um, which it was a trilogy of movies, and they're actually like really good movies. Like mm-hmm. Gamera has always kind of been my favorite, but it's partly because like it's all incredibly schlocky and like it's they were trying to ape the goofiest era of Godzilla. So like it's just absurd. There's one there's one movie that literally devotes half an hour of its running time to showing clips from previous Gamera films. <laughs> But yeah, in the '90s, a different studio got a hold of them and actually and made three like actually well done, like decent effects, good plotting, you know, actual story. And they they took one of the uh, classic uh, Gamera villains, um, Gauss, which is a giant sort of bird-like thing. It's sort of half bird, half pterodactyl. Okay, yeah. And in the in the first time it showed up, it was just a single giant monster that the guy in the Gamera suit fought with. Um, in this one, they made them smaller and had a bunch of them showing up. And I really like the idea, like, one of them just by itself isn't really going to be something anyone's going to pay much attention to. It's like, uh, it's, you know, it's going to make a bit of a mess, but, like, we'll clean it up and chase it off. It'll be fine. <laughs> like, it'll, it'll go away eventually. But once a bunch of them shows up, it's like, ah, shit, we we can't actually stop this many of them now that they're kind of grouping together. They're causing some real damage. Uh, hey, uh, Gamera, can you help us out? <laughs> God, I, I fucking love, like, just the mentality that exists in kaiju movies. Yes. But anyway, back to Digimon before we again we keep, man. <laughs> I mean, Digimon's basically a kaiju movie, really, like, yeah, if you it, think about it. it. Well, it, like, for... Two minutes every episode it becomes a kaiju movie. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, by definition, like, they, they become giant monsters. Yeah, so. exactly. Anyway, um, we then cut to the kids essentially planning how to get to a diver because they want to find this Shit, kid. I just re- hmm? They're standing next to a sign that says Sony, but it's Sony with an I. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's amazing. I just noticed it now, and I love it. Oh, that's great. I actually do like a lot of the signage in the real world stuff. Like... Yeah, like, they put some actual effort into some of that. Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> this is a fun... Like the subway actually has a whole bunch of listings for, I mean, I'm assuming they're for, like, actual locations, or at least locations that would make sense within the fiction of the show. I can't read any of them because they're in, you know, They're in Japanese, Japanese. yeah. They're in, they're in kanji, yeah. <laughs> I do like, though, that, um... Because this next scene is essentially them planning to take the train system to Odaiba and figuring out the maps and, like... <laughs> I appreciate this because I've been to Tokyo as great as the public transport is there like any public transport system the maps are fucking annoying to navigate oh there's just too much inf- it's information overload there's yeah. too much to display there for a person to understand at a glance like without like because now whenever I go somewhere I just pop it into like you know uh, Sydney public transport like trip planner and just tells me where to go. I'm like, right. good, that's, that's what I do. Because without that, I would just never leave the, my house. <laughs> like, these days I have to figure, like, a lot of them are equipped with electronic screens where you can, like, filter out a lot of the stuff you don't need to see. But Yeah, essentially. Even so, it's, yeah, that's a lot of, that's just, it's just so many overlapping routes. 
Especially with, like, Japan and Tokyo, especially. Like, good good lord. Right, yeah, I mean, that's that's dense. Uh, but yeah, um, the thing I really like about this, though, this is the thing I loved about the real world arc, is that <laughs> Saban could not ever get around the fact that this just took place in Japan. Oh no, they didn't even try to hide it <laughs> at this point. Because, like, before, though, it was like, oh, Digi-Dollars, and like, oh, you know, like, this is like, you know, Digi-Code, and now it's like, fuck. We can't. Like, there is a, there is a, like, ten second scene here where Izzy's just telling them what the, like, all the connections they have to take to get home. Yeah, because... And, like, he's just rattling off this list, this, this litany of stops, and, like... These are Japanese locations. There's no way around that. Yeah, it's like you were gonna go to Nagano. We're gonna stop off at, you know, Fujima, and then like go from Shijuku to fucking Oda. Like it's like these are all stops I've been to to some degree. Like, <laughs> oh my god, it's so great. And I, however, we also then get more of the Digimon need to learn to shut the fuck up in public. Yeah. Oh, good lord, are they terrible at learning how to, like, shut up. And, like, this part where Ty's, like, just getting a train ticket, and Koromon and Padamon, like, Palmon are going, what's a train? It's like, you, you have, like, vehicles in the digital world. You have, like, so boats. I was just about to mention, I was just about to mention this, and then it clicked. Like, they sound like children who can't stop asking questions about the mundane things their parents are doing. And then I realized, wait. Padamon and Koromon, they are literally children. Yeah, like, even Palmon as well. Like, this, they, these are their children forms. It makes sense to some degree. But also it's the case where you're asking things about things that exist in your world too. Like, I got the whole, oh, they don't understand the concept of, like, unique children or, like, you know, uh, there being multiple or just one of every person in the world. But, like... You were on a, a fucking cruise liner before, <laughs> like, you've... Yeah, like, asking what a fair was, I'm like, it would make sense until you remember, oh yeah, there was an entire episode where a plot point was having the right type of currency. Yeah, like, you you have this system in place, and I get it, like, oh, maybe it's the, the Digidestined Digimon, because they've just been hanging around waiting for the kids to show up, which is really sad. <laughs> Yeah, they they actually don't know jack. Yeah, but the thing is, like, they don't know jack shit about anything until they all of a sudden know everything about something yeah, they've much. literally never seen before. <laughs> like, they just, oh, uh, like it's like almost in the way like um, it was explored, like Avatar, like with the way the White Lotus keeps the Avatar like secluded from the rest of the world. But that means they learn nothing about how the way the world works. Yeah, well, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a double. It was a double whammy uh, with Aang of him both having been kind of secluded from the rest of the world and also a hundred years past. Yeah. And with Korra, like, when she arrived like, in, like... There was culture shock in addition to just, like, learning about the world. Yeah, and, like, when Korra arrived, she was like, oh, what's money? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, like, really the same thing there, because, like, Republic City, like, grew into a, like, nearly modern city from, like, the original setting. And again, like, what? 40 years? Yeah, and she was just kept in a very traditional village. It's ridiculous. Like... <laughs> I imagine there's people in the remote regions of the Fire Nation who would be every bit as baffled. There's people in the real world, too. Like, there are plenty of people like that. But it's just mostly funny here because these are fucking magical monsters who come from a world which has 
like our own technology in it as well because their world is derived from our world and connected to it. So like, how do you just not know these things? I wonder if maybe they're just really enjoying being on the other foot for once. Actually, yeah. They're the ones asking all the dumb questions about how everything works. Okay, like... And having to have somebody else explain it all like to them. Like, Coromon and Gomamon and Tentamon, I can see doing that. But, like, how are we with our headcanon of Palmon? Do we know... Like, have we decided if she's just faking being a ditz all this time? Like, she's just going along with it? Or if she's, like... I can't... I literally cannot tell. Like... It would be so easy to just write off, like, oh, she's just, you know, off with the fairies. But it's like, but there are moments of, like, minor sarcasm. It's too on point. Yeah, it's, like, too much. So it's like, like, is she playing Mimi, for example? Like, is she just fucking with her? So the best thing I can think of is she's actually pretty smart. and She started out mostly just taking the piss. But the more time she spent with Mimi, oh yeah, like that just that personality. The more she started her. taking on Mimi's, yeah, yeah, because like remember how she acted when Mimi was all like pampered princess, right? Yeah, like until Mimi took it too far and like turned on her, like she was being every bit as. To be fair, I'm pretty spoiled sure. and yeah, but the thing like after walking in the desert for so fucking long, yeah, I'd go along with being pampered for a bit too. Right. I just think I just think over time Mimi's kind of rubbed off on her and it's turned a lot more sincere than she originally meant it. Yeah. Like you still get those glimpses of her being way more self-aware, but I I think overall. Yeah. But then just like the Digimon, like I'm sorry, it's cute for like 5 seconds, but the Digimon need to learn to shut the fuck up. Like Yeah. Cuz like Yeah, cuz I mean immediately after this the uh, train arrives and Koromon and Sunomon fucking... They think it's a Digimon! They think it's Myotismon's, like, one of his henchmen because of glowing eyes, which are the headlights. So it starts out with, like, the the train blowing a whistle or whatever, and... Or, no, wait, no, it wasn't a train. It was the, uh, the, announcer. the announcer over yeah. the loudspeaker. I'm like, what? Koromon's like, what? Where was that voice? And Sunomon's, I thought it was in my head. Like... Oh, like... You guys are... <sighs> this... Okay, this would make... Honestly... Just way more sense if they kept the whole, like, baby-child-adult names as their forms. Because yes. then it's yes. like, okay, they... they've literally regressed. Which, again, is still kind of fucked up that they, they lose intelligence as they get younger. Yeah, let's not dwell on that. No, let's like, really it's, not dwell on that. It is a fine general structure point for your magical monster transformation sequences. But, like, at the same time, it's also kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like, but yeah, like... They don't understand that that's just a train announcer. And it's one of those things where they're not, like, looking at how the, the kids are reacting. Because the kids are just like... Oh, right, exactly. Like, read read the room. Yeah. Nobody else is worried about this. Maybe just trust them. Yeah. Like, you're in their world now. Maybe look to them to take point. And this is like... <laughs> and then... When the train comes again, like, they mistake it for one of Myotismon's goons, and they fucking jump on the train tracks to fight it. Yeah. Like, buddies. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? I mean, to be fair, that is, that, is their, that is their thing. The very first thing they did when everyone met them was attack a bug literally larger than all of them combined with no hope of beating it. True. Like, that's just kind of what they it's do. Not learnt. But at the same time, it's also like... Come on. 
But either way, the train doesn't necessarily run them over. I, I don't know what... I mean, it it kind of does, but since they're magical fighting yeah, monsters... Like, like cartoon physics are an effect Kill them. them, it just kind of... Because, like... Right. Oh, God, this just reminds me of, um... There was a recent episode of Dragon Ball Super. I've not seen, but I've only seen screen caps of and shot and like scenes and heard about it. Where like the gag character from one of Akira Toriyama's other works appears in the Dragon Ball universe, and because she works by cartoon physics, she's able to like just completely bowl over Vegeta, despite being a tiny robot child. Oh, I'm sure that went over. Well. I mean, yeah, everyone else does, but like, right, right. it's because where Vegeta actually points it out and goes. Oh god, she's like a cartoon gag character. She's unstoppable because they don't work on they don't work on any sort of <laughs> like comparable physics and like real world science. Okay, that's that's fucked up. If Vegeta is the one realizing all of this and having that moment of like, I'll need to full see the awareness. episode, but it's it's pretty great because it's just this tiny, bespectacled like robot little girl, like completely. Like fucked. everyone else should be feeling really bad about themselves right now that Vegeta's the one pointing it out. To I them. mean. Yeah, you're right. Like, it should be someone else, but if it's Vegeta, oh. I mean, I think in the scene it's only Vegeta and Goku, and out of those two, it, it should be Vegeta pointing it out. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, fair. But anyway, um, yeah, Koromon and Sudamon aren't destroyed and killed by a train, luckily. It's that case where the train passes and the cartoony effect of them just being, like, stuck in midair and then falling down dejected afterwards. Yeah, I, I spent a little bit of time trying to figure out what happened there and then realized that was pointless and gave up. There's, there's no way to actually explain that other than cartoon. But then we cut to them on the train, finally, and Ty is straight, straight up punching Cormon for, like, being an idiot. Like, like he's kind of giving him a noogie. It is, but it's not like, oh, he, like, presses fist and then rubs it. It's, like, straight up a knock into his head. Like, I mean... It's more of a bonk. They've been incredibly clear on the hold still and don't say anything. Yeah, but... I would be losing my patience, too, at this point. Like, just don't, just, just stop. Like, it's one of those things, again, like, just, I know they have the intelligence of little kids at this point, but again, even little kids would understand that, oh, there's no one else like me in this place. I should probably listen to the people in charge. Yeah, and usually if you explain something to them enough, enough, and like, clearly, they'll internalize it. They're like, they are just kids. They're like the most, like, misbehaving kids. They're they're the they're the kids who absolutely cannot pay attention and don't really listen when you talk to them. Like in Coromon in Coromon's mind, just he, he like the way he is tied when he's in this form is just like blah 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 Coromon blah 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 dinner blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we get to yeah, because well, and that's a that's actually a good point mm-hmm. because Yokoman has clearly internalized this much much better. Yes. Definitely, um, like because as 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 we'll see. Well, before cause... she she brought up the point, like, oh, I could be one of those talking dolls. Like Yokomon kind of gets it because I think yeah, she's been paying attention. I think, again, like aside from Gomon and Tenton, like who are mo- mostly sarcastic, Biomon's kind of the smartest one. Right. Well, and personality wise too, like Yokomon's definitely the good kid. Yeah, she's the one who like, wants the one to lead by listen- example. Who listens to the adults yeah. and like wants to wants to be responsible. Yeah. Um, so, which which leads to this I mean, scene. Uh, which, of course, that means the plot is going to punish her for it. As we see soon, because a uh, mother comes along with a crying baby, and Sora being Sora, you know, being nice and kind, actually... Yeah, Sora also being the good kid. Yeah, she offers her seat to the mom, and that's also very nice. And so, it's Sora, Sora with Yokomon on her hands, like, standing in front of this baby sitting down with its mom, 
and the baby stops crying, but then it sees, like, um, Yokomon's, like, flower-like stem coming out of the petals, and just fucking starts cranking that shit. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, he, he found a grabbable, and he is not letting go. Like, to a child, something, like, long and colourful and, like, that you can pull on, that's Right, that's like, trap. he's right at that age where you're just discovering the, like, concept of tactile sensations and your ability to interact with things to change them. And he just like, starts... they make toys that are basically like this specifically because that's, like, a thing. Yeah, and he just starts... And he is not like, this isn't, oh, playful tugging. This kid is like gritting, well, he's a baby, but he has cartoon teeth. He's gritting his fucking teeth and like brow is furrowed. And the mom's going, no, no, that that's the, that's the girl's doll. Like that's the girl's toy. Yeah, and- no, he is, he is like my dog was with every single two toy we gave him, <laughs> where as soon as he got a moment to sit down with it, he would try to take it apart. Yeah. Like, there's a squeaky thing in here somewhere, and I'm going to disassemble this that thing is essentially, to find that's it. That's my dog as well, which got a little grotesque when we gave him a Pluto the dog squeaky toy, and oh then dear. it was just watching a dog destroy a smaller dog. Yeah, no, there was a, like, we had trained him to respond to the phrase, don't break it. Because <laughs> we would scold him, because he, he would start chewing, we'd sell him that, and then he'd, like, look at us and then start licking where he'd been chewing, like, nope, it's okay. It's See? fine. See? See? It's okay. Fine. See? It's okay. Don't worry. See? Everything's fine. <laughs> but Okay, you can stop seeing now so I can go back to chewing it. But then, like, honestly, I felt bad for you, so bad for Yokomon in this scenario. Oh, yeah, no, this is, this is the one case where I can't blame the Digimon at all because she shows the patience of a fucking saint this here. It's like, just imagine if a child just started pulling your hair on, like, the bus or train. Like... Just imagine trying to just be calm, don't let it bother you, it's like ripping, but oh my god. Right, like the the mother is kind of not really trying to intervene, she keeps telling him not to not to break the toy, but she doesn't actually take any, make any move to actually stop the kid or like separate the kid from it at all. Which shouldn't be hard, because it's a goddamn baby. Well, the problem is more the case where like... If this were a living thing, like, if this were, like, a pet's tail or, like, someone else's, like, hair, the mom would obviously interject. But the fact that she thinks it's just a toy is, like, okay. Right, she... yeah, it's, like, is okay, so is intervening and ma- having him, like, stir up a fuss and, like, piss everyone off, is it really worth it? Like, I can pay the girl yeah, for exactly, a Yeah, exactly, but it's, like, no, this is a living being. And there's just this shot of Yokomon just before she lets loose of, like, wise like eyes wide open like teeth slightly gritted and it's just like the sound of silence is playing <laughs> like oh yeah no like it, she is screaming internally before she screams externally it's clear she fucking when I say let's lose she lets loose yeah no the train echoes yeah, with she her she just cry. screams this kid hey can you let go of me and everyone in the train's like what oh like time stops on this train. I love this moment so much cause it's just Sora like and all the kids are just like, everyone is mouth agape, eyes wide open. Yep. If if they weren't frozen in like fear, they'd be all tugging at their collars. And then like the baby, you know, finally lets go. It doesn't cry anything. It just lets go. Oh yeah, no. The baby. It's one of those things where you sh- sh- like. I expected the baby to start crying, but it was too shocked for that. Yeah, like, even the baby uh, was like, "This uh, toy fucking talked." Uh, like. <laughs> and then that Sora shows some incredible. Th- quick thinking because um Izzy proves that he has the powers of ventriloquism and uh puppetry <laughs> like long distance puppetry by animating a small child I'm pretty sure this is showing this is proof that Izzy is a dark wizard <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, or the show didn't have a lot of voice actors and just reused people who maybe didn't no, that, have a lot it, of it, range. That makes way too much. I don't know sense as an explanation for this. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's a, there's a, so a kid with the voice of Izzy, um, pulls the whole like uh that that girl's doll talks. Um, like... Harry's spoiled. Yeah, Harry's spoiled cousin whose name I'm forgetting at the moment. <laughs> but essentially, like, yeah, like he says, oh, look, that girl's doll talked, and Sora, like you said, showing some amazing quick thing, is just like, oh, wow, finally, all my ventriloquism classes paid off, like, all that practice, hooray, like, I can talk as a doll. And just her going, yo, come on, just fucking play with me here, just, I need you to roll with this. But yeah, and the kid's immediately like, I want one, get me one of those. <laughs> and just like, I love this because A, it's the best, like, on-the-spot plan these kids have come up with. Like, this is way better than Ty, than Ty walking up a mountain to find some lost toys and bringing them down for his sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this proves that, like, if you need to, like, think on the spot, you put Sora in charge, yeah, not Yeah, and Ty. Sora puts on, like, a little ventriloquism show in the... The, the kid, this other kid is just fucking going, no, dad, give me one of those fucking toys. If you don't give me one of those toys, I'm going to scream. I'm going to scream into my face. Because you want me to scream, dad? I'm going to scream. So my first thought, and this maybe is just like years upon years of honed deflection skills. Mm-hmm. But my first thought was you, you lie and say, oh, um, it was given to me as a gift. I actually don't know where it came from. Like my uncle brought it to me from America or something, you know, just deflect as far as possible so that it's not something they can follow up on. It's something they'll they'll drop it because there's clearly nowhere to go from there. Oh, but the problem is, like, this is a child you're trying to talk to. Even though there's yeah. a parent involved, the parent is obviously very submissive to the child's whims right now, and the child won't accept that as an answer because oh, that ha- no. does not have a def... That is no definitive route that leads them to getting what they want. No, and, like, Sora lucks out here, too, because, like, right as the, right as the guy is asking... This like she stammers for a moment, and uh, then the train happens to st- happens to reach a stop. And yeah, and I paused because I was waiting for my Netflix <laughs> to catch up. Uh, Narima is where it stops. And yeah, and uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm showing better quick thinking skills than I have. This fucking ten year old is like, oh, it's it's at the Narima department store. That's where I got it, and literally the entire train rushes off to get one. I feel really bad as a retail worker for that department store. Oh God, because yeah, though those those people will not listen to you when you say I don't know what you're talking about. I've had people come in, so I work at a chocolate shop, and I've had people come in asking for products that either discontinued years ago or products that never existed. I had one person come in asking, "Hey, do you have like this one chocolate that's like it's." It's like toffee brittle, but it's got like slices of almond inside. I was like, no, we don't have that. Pretty sure you had that. Not. I've worked it for two years. We don't have that as far as I know anymore. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, we haven't. Okay. No. What I what I want is to get some of this and not have to go somewhere else to find it. So I'm gonna keep asking you until you give me the answer that you know supports that. I then also have had people come and going, oh, what, do you have any more of those chocolate mints? Uh, no, we discontinued those. Oh, really? I thought I just saw them. We discontinued those five years ago. <laughs> you have not been in the store for a very long time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't really know what you want anymore. Like, 
But if you ever find out where that toffee stuff is, though, let me know because that sounds. It sounds delicious. great. Uh, although God, okay, so it's Christmas time, and we do have like Santas and stuff in our store. Um, because our store is a very traditional style, like chocolate shop. And I had this one woman come the other day, and she, she okay, she didn't ask. She it was a statement, as if she was almost like. She tried to present in a joking way, but I could tell that she was actually really wanted this product to exist. She asked me, why don't you guys sell chocolate Jesuses? <laughs> and I was stunned. It, I was just like, I, well, you know, I, I, I just did, like, you've seen, I have it as like my Slack profile page, just that, I just did that shrug of mine, like, <laughs> like I, I don't know what to tell you. And then her response, that like, she gave a little chuckle, you know, and then she said to me, um, I, I shit you not. She said, you have to have something for us Christians. Oh my God. And I was like, I know. See, so what you do is you, I, you get a bar of our, you know, standard chocolate or whatever, and you say a prayer up, before Italy? you eat it. And through transubstantiation, it becomes <laughs> Jesus. God, just like. Fucking... Oh, oh my god, how did transubstantiation come up on both of the podcasts I do within a week Wait, of each other? <laughs> I literally slapped my knee laughing at that. I just realized like... that we made that we made a joke on Teenager's Attitude, the one that just aired, about jet fuel becoming the blood of Zordon. That's fucking great. <laughs> but like... Yeah, no, seriously, okay. like... I have so many That's questions about chocolate Jesus. That's not a, like, that, okay, that is not a thing to the degree where you can just walk into any chocolate shop and ask about that. No, no, no. B, um, I'm not a Christian myself. I'm personally agnostic. But I recently, I up until recently, I was dating someone who was quite Christian. And that was never a thing. No! Um, maybe there's some denominations that are cool with it, but most of the ones I know would consider that maybe a little, like, tiny bit sacrilegious? Just, just a teensy bit, like, I was wondering, did Sacrilicious, you want to, like, but sacrilegious. Like, did, do you want, like, crucifix Jesus? Like, a chocolate version of that? Because I mean, that's there are people, up. yeah, there are people who take that, like, obsession with that imagery way too far. Oh, no, definitely, but this was just, like, an average mom. I was just thinking, like, did you just want, like, peaceful Jesus? Like, a chocolate Jesus bus? Like, what? I have to imagine, I have to imagine the line of thinking there was, well, they make, like, chocolate Easter bunnies for Easter, and they make chocolate Santas for Christmas, and those are both, you know, religious holidays that get commercialized. So they should do something like that, but with the religious symbolism preserved, and didn't really think that all the way through. No, it's also funny because my store doesn't make chocolate Easter bunnies because our, our policy here is that because an Australian company, rabbits are a pest. We shouldn't encourage that, so we make chocolate bilbies instead. I mean, encouraging people to eat rabbits seems like it would be a nice solution to the pest problem. True. Although it is hilarious when people, like, we get a lot of tourists in my store specifically because it's next to, like, a major train uh, station. And... A lot of people are confused at what the fuck a bilby is, because no one hears about what a bilby is outside of Australia. <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't going to ask, but... It's essentially a long nose, like, a, an even longer nose ra- rabbit. Hold on. Welcome to... Now the telling Joel about Australia segment has bled into the main show. I'm so sorry, Tyler. Look, you're the one who brought it up. 
I know, but I just need to bring it up because I just felt so sorry for the fucking retail workers at the Narima department store in this goddamn cartoon. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a disaster, and I also feel sorry for the kids who aren't going to get one, and for honestly, right? for the, and honestly Parents. for all the people who got off at the wrong stop for this. For nothing. Like, everyone! This isn't just, like, old parents and kids. It's, like, te- there's some teenagers and, like, young people and businessmen. Like, okay, what the fuck the are you doing? Okay, the thing you have shown me looks like a American possum mm-hmm. crossed with a jackrabbit's ears. Yes. But we sell a little, like, chocolate version of those. We sell them, like, wearing, like, um, little brown vests like we wear at work and stuff. It's very cute. Do you have a version of them that have, inexplicably have antlers? No, I could a get bill into some kit bashing there. <laughs> if we if we had reindeer here, I could easily just perform some Frank's Frankensteinian maneuver to create that. Toy. Actually, you know what? They'd look better with moose antlers. I mean, we've already got the jackalope. We got to do something a little different for the bill bead. <laughs> what the Great North jackalope? Like, I mean, yeah, we got jackalopes around here. That's fair enough. <laughs> anyway, back to. Back to, like, real monsters. So, with Digimon, I don't know where right, that thing yeah, was going. Yeah, you know, the the real, the ah, real monsters, Digimon. God, okay, I'm putting my foot down. We can't make that as a rewatch show as much as I'm <laughs> tempted to see what, as much as I'm tempted to see what that cartoon is like. We could we could 100% sell that as a Teenagers with Attitude bonus episode. I mean, Honestly, there's precedent. We could just record that, call it a Teenagers with Attitude bonus episode, and Zach would post it because that's happened before. Well, that happened with that. What happened with Dustin when he? Right, fucking, and he's not yeah. even on Teenagers with Attitude. I'm pretty sure I could sell this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll 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 workshop that. Anyway, like Sora's Gambit worked better than anyone could possibly have guessed. Because Almost too well. Right, like... yeah. Like, literally, the entire car emptied. So it's just the kids and their Digimon now. Which also means that for for the first time since they've arrived in the real world, they can relax for a goddamn second. Yeah, they don't have to explain anything to adults. They don't have to try and, like, figure out anything. They're just now sitting on the train and relaxing to the point where all of them fall asleep. Right, you know how I said this is the episode is the culmination of 30 episodes of Wandering in the Desert? Yeah. They're finally sitting down and being driven somewhere. Yeah, like, and that's nice. Those months upon months of being in the wilderness has finally caught up with them. And the fucking, like, the conductor's not going to turn out to be some weird Digimon. The, the train itself isn't going to be a Digimon. Right, there's no like, tricks here. They're actually in the real world. It's actually a nice moment, honestly. I yeah, like like it's small, but I like it a lot. Yeah, um, it it ends up really screwing them over because <laughs> almost all of them, including some of the Digimon, fall asleep, and, and like, except like Patamon is apparently the only one still awake, and the yeah. stop arrives. Yep, Nagato Station, and Patamon trying to be you know Patamon be the good kid goes, hey, isn't this supposed to be the stop we get off at? And Palmon being Palmon, takes their instructions very literally and tells Patamon, we're supposed to be quiet, you can't talk, don't say anything. It's like, no, God, that's a, it's Palmon. adorable, because Patamon, like, looks guilty and, like, covers his mouth. It's a, it's really cute. But those guys, like, Palmon specifically wakes up to tell him this. Right, and it's, it's that, it's exactly that thing of, like, the kid who's too young to fully understand everything, but is... 
paying attention enough and is smart enough to realize, oh, hey, this is important, and tries to do something about it, but doesn't isn't confident enough or certain enough of how everything works to be assertive about it. Yeah. Because, like, this is exactly the kind of thing where, like, a family's on a road trip and, um, you know, the dad's driving and he talk and he says, all right, so make, we got to make sure we get off at exit 127. Yep. yep. And um, <laughs> then he's, you know, he's busy, like he's paying attention, like traffic's real bad and everything. Mom's sleeping in the passenger seat and the five-year-old in the back is just kind of watching everything and like sees 127 coming up and, you know, you trust, you know, dad, dad's driving. He knows what he's doing. Yep. Then he's not slowing down. He's not getting over. And you want to say something like, uh, isn't that the stop? But like, you, I mean, you're 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 just a kid. You don't know how driving works. <laughs> I will say this though, because I've seen so I watched so many of these cartoons at, at by that point as a child, that with these specific like convoluted scenarios happening, I was never the kid to like miss an opportunity to tell my parents like, no, we're supposed to get off here. No, we've got to do this. No, we have to do that because I just, I don't want to risk us going on a weird and wild adventure. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Probably. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, um, yes, they... So, yeah, so they, they completely yeah, they fall asleep, and they stay asleep <laughs> until they reach the end of the line, which... This has I mean, happened to me. Right, no, and it's and it makes sense, because if they hadn't woken up when they did, somebody would be coming by. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, I... I, I fall asleep on any moving vehicle that isn't a plane... The second I get on, like the second I sit down and the thing starts moving, I am out like a light. Okay, you probably should not drive. Well, that's the thing, like it's because I'm not required to concentrate in those scenarios. Okay, sure. But yeah, I don't I mean, know. I don't know if it's because I've been driving over half my life at this point or what. But like, that's really not the case for me. In fact, I'm if I'm in the passenger seat where I can actually see the road, I'm like almost more alert than I am if I was actually driving. Oh, no, definitely like, not me. I have I instinctively, just, like... like, hit the brake that doesn't exist on my side when, like, coming up behind somebody, <laughs> just because, like, it's instinct. <laughs> no, for me, it's the case, like, if I get in the car with someone, I have to warn them before, I'm like, I'm, I might fall asleep, just letting you know. Like, I, I fall asleep at the drop of a hat under very specific circumstances. If I'm in a moving vehicle, or if you cover my eyes... Oh, so like a like a canary. Like honestly, yes. If if I'm in a dark room, I would just start falling asleep. See, for me, it's I have to be in a dark room to fall asleep. I I sleep really bad when I am not home, just because like I don't have light blocking curtains, and usually where I'm sleeping doesn't completely <laughs> cut out like external lights. And so I can see the room around me, and even if my eyes are closed, it doesn't matter. Like the change in light somehow affects my ability to relax. I can sleep almost anywhere. God, I envy that so much. <laughs> if I'm tired, I will just find a place to sleep. I won't do this in public, but like if I'm at a, a friend's house, like with family, like, now I'll just be like, okay, it's nap time. God, see, because like, I, I read about people who like can sleep on their feet or whatever, and like, mm -hmm. God, if I'm not in a position where I can be flat on my stomach... I'm not going to get, like, proper sleep. I'm just not going to fall asleep. God. <laughs> I have tried sleeping in cars, and it just does not happen. 
that's like the number one place I'll fall asleep. It's like it's just weird with the plane though, because the plane I don't feel the motion of it. I don't fall asleep on the planes. Oh sure. I have to like take a sleeping pill. So if there was a lot of turbulence, would it make it easier for you to sleep? Honestly, like I've actually fallen asleep during turbulence. <laughs> for that exact reason. Like I'm not gonna the lie. Plane rocked you to sleep. Little bit, because the, the thing that stems from is the fact that my mum, when I was a a baby, to get me to fall asleep, she would like strap me into the baby seat in the back of the car and then just drive me slowly around the block. I mean, that's not that's not surprising. Like a lot of times, I mean, you see that a lot with kids where like they'll be running around complete, like just full of energy, and as soon as you strap them in and start driving, bam, they're out. Yeah. But that just has stuck with me into, like, adulthood. I mean, that's... I don't know. That's probably not a bad thing. The circumstances I mean, where guess, it's maybe not great, but... I guess we'll see when I finally do, like... <laughs> fucking... You do get your license. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. We'll keep you posted, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alright, so um... in, your, in your learner phase, make sure that whoever's riding shotgun has a air horn at the ready. I was going to say cattle prod, but air horn's probably better. Uh, yeah, I'm, d- depending on how well loud noises wake you up, I guess. I don't know, I've fallen on my bed and kept sleeping. Wow. I was a child back then, so I don't know. I usually wake up mid-air. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, okay, so yeah, um... Digimon. So, they, yeah. so they're kind of screwed. It's the end of the line, the train's not, like, going to turn around and circle back on their stop, so they have to get out here. Yeah, uh, Izzy, of course, has has a backup plan. Like, oh, we can still get to a diver from here. We just have to, like, you know, catch a different set of trains and everything. Yeah, but unfortunately, again, months of wandering in the desert caught up with them, and all the Digimon mm-hmm. plus Mimi are starving. And plus, honestly, the rest of the kids, are, like... Right, but... They, it doesn't like, hit them. Right, but Ty is kind of like, well, we gotta keep, you know, gotta keep moving. We don't have time to stop and eat, and... Everyone but Mimi seems on board with that. Yeah, essentially, like, <laughs> until Matt brings up, like, it's been a long time. Like, we're finally home. Can we at least, like, just grab a meal <laughs> that isn't eggs? Yeah, he actually, he, and Ty doesn't seem too sympathetic to that point until uh, Matt also points out, plus, you know, our Digimon get pretty weak if they don't eat. Then he relents. Then Ty wants to, like, like force feed Agumon. Yeah, that yeah, you had to you had to put it in terms Ty will relate to. And it's like, oh right, right, I can feed oh, him. Oh we can force feed him until he fo- Oh okay. See, I was gonna go in the uh I was gonna go in the direction that, you know, cold pragmatic Ty is, you know, insensitive to the, you know, petty needs of his crew, but as soon as you tell remind him, you know, the strategic advantage of having well fed Digimon. Then he's okay with of it. Of course. Because, <laughs> you know, that's that's our tie. That's Cold our tie. and calculating. <laughs> but yeah, um, unfortunately, because of this, they'd all stop to talk amongst themselves. Joe and Izzy just kept walking along. Yep. Also, also because they're, you know, children, and this always happens with kids. Mm-hmm. You look away for literally a second, and all of a sudden, everyone else is gone. God, I've, I've had that happen to me, and it's terrifying. Also... I am freeze-framed on the the scene where they realize that the others are gone. Like, it's a big, it's a wide shot with a whole bunch of people in the crowd. And there's one lady who I am trying to figure out what she is wearing. 
Hmm. I don't know if she's advertising something or if she's dressed up for something, but... Hold on, now I'm trying to find this lady in the crowd. Like... God, it's like... Like, is it the lady holding the advertisement sign? Yes. Yeah, she's advertising something. Right, but what is she wearing? Okay, oh, for, for the folks at home, essentially she's wearing, like, a yellow headband with, like, blue things in them. She's got, like, a sleeveless top. What I'm guessing is, like, a leotard with, like, a like emblazoned apron on and, like, this big flared-out skirt section. From the angle I'm seeing it right now, like, that skirt almost looks like it's supposed to be some sort of armor and it looks like a the outfit you'd wear in an RPG if you're a woman. Yeah, exactly. It looks like very stereotypical, like, not even RPG, like, mainstream RPG uh, armor for women, but more like mobile game RPG armor for yes. women. Yes. Yeah, something that was farmed out to a studio in Korea for, like, $5. She look Honestly, the funniest thing is, she looks the most anime out of anyone on this yes. show. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly why it stood out to me, is because literally everyone else is just dressed in, like, polos and jeans or cargo <laughs> shorts. Like, it's just a bunch of businessmen and, like, parents. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, like... Joe's just like just wandering off trying to find the rest of them, and she's offering like, "Hey, do you want this free sample?" And go much of it, and nearly like bites her hand. Oh god, it's so it's so ridiculous. Like, and like he does so with like this big grin on his face, like, oh, "I'm gonna do this." <laughs> she screams because you so know she's yeah no yeah no exactly like. Oh god, and he's holding it in his mouth, and Goldman is just the fucking cutest. Joe just has you know, another you know, stroke of good thinking on speech. Goes, uh, bad dog, bad dog. <laughs> yeah, like, what like, fucking dog looks like? In that? what world is Goldman a dog? Yeah, like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> God. And then we get one of my favorite. Oh like, god, he's hmm? a uh, he's a um, he's an East End Mohawked uh, snuggle puff. <laughs> 13 out of 10. God. <laughs> I know exactly the fucking joke you're making. Aquatic aquatic as yep. aquatic as F. <laughs> Should we submit that to We Rate Dogs? Just submit a picture of Gomamon. I yeah, actually yes, we should. We absolutely should. <laughs> I mean, that was the case where I was came across a Destiny player who's wearing armor that looked like it had devil horns in a hood, and his name was Chronic Kush, both with K's, 420. And and then oh, and then I had to of course, submit that to Reaper names. Yeah, no, um, yeah. Because how could I not? His name was Chronic Kush. <laughs> God. But then we get one of my favorite cartoonish. <laughs> God, I I don't know how to describe this. Like moments of subterfuge. <laughs> like. Oh God! Yeah, no. This yeah, this is absolutely like cartoon in the like classic farcical, like, goofy-ass cartoon sense. In such a good way. <laughs> so, they've left the, the station, and they're on, mm-hmm. on the street now. Um, we're looking at a shot of the corner of a, like, it's a corner building where, like, two, the storefront meets where two, like, walkways. Yeah, it's at the corner of a, um, at the corner of a street, essentially. Yep. So uh, from one from one direction, we've got Joe and Izzy running, and they they spot the kids inside this building eating. Mm-hmm. On the other side, we have um, mysterious Myotisman henchman, who I think we may have actually mentioned by name earlier because like we know who he it is. It's Skull Miramon. It's Trenchcoat. Um, wearing yeah. his trench, 
yeah, trench coat and uh, hat coming the other way, like just nonchalantly walking down the street. Yeah, like it's not like he's chasing after them. Like he just happens to be here. Yeah, no, they are converging on one spot, and yeah. So Joe and and right as they're approaching, Joe and Izzy stop, and like Joe has a panicked expression on his face, and for like half a second, you think, "Oh no, he saw this. He saw this Digimon. He's freaking out." But nope, he just saw the others eating without them. I would I would be just as pissed as Joe at this moment. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. That's garbage that they didn't, like, <laughs> stop and try to find them. Or at least wait until they arrived at the restaurant, like... Right. Um. I mean, in fairness, this is before the era of cell phones, so it's not like they could have called them or texted them to say, hey, we're here. True, but same... But that almost makes it less forgivable, because that means once they separated, there's no guarantee they'll ever find each other again. Exactly. And, like, Izzy actually tried to, I'm only circling back to this because it comes up again, Izzy actually tried to locate them using the Digivices, because as we've seen, they sometimes work as a radar device. Sometimes. And emphasis on sometimes, because they certainly aren't right now. (laughs) Yeah, but essentially this moment here is great, because... Yeah, so we cut, yeah, so we cut, we cut back, and, um, I don't know, we see a walk light change for some, oh yeah, because people are coming from the intersection that comes up to this corner um so yeah both skull miramon and joe and izzy both continue converging on their point right as a group of people carrying some sort of a picture of like a building yeah i don't know it's it's one of those giant normally it's a pane of glass but that wouldn't work for this particular gag but yeah it's like like a huge wall mounted like like landscape painting i think that's just a building in tokyo yep Anyway, it cuts in front of Skull Miramon right as and the kids he, run he past. Stops. This big lumbering hulk of a Digimon stops. Yeah, he stops and waits for the painting this, to pass. This is again one of those things where, like, in his mind, he's been told by M- Midas One, "Don't stick out." So he's got to make sure he doesn't like walk through the painting. Right. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. blend in. Don't draw just, attention. Be don't start anything. Just you know, wait until the light is green. Don't you know, cross anyone by accident and stuff. And then in in the end, it means he this big ass Solomon Grundy ass. He really does, motherfucker. <laughs> but anyway, uh, moving on. The um... Skull Muromon want pants too. <laughs> wait, is he actually wearing pants? I don't know. You can't tell. He's wearing a like a floor length trench coat. What do you need? Hmm. He does. He does actually. He does like have like pants that are part of him, though. Yeah, like, that's true. When Miramon evolves, he he has the same. Uh, he has the wear Gururumon syndrome, where he evolves pants. <laughs> he evolves jorts. <laughs> Do you think that's what happened to John Cena? <laughs> yes, I'm fully willing to commit to the idea that John Cena is a Digimon in his champion level. I mean, he's got to be ultimate level, right? I mean, now at this like, point, he's yes, a, he's a perfectly evolved yeah, human being. Like, his whole thing is that he can turn invisible. You can't see him. <laughs> anyway, um, God, I fucking, I don't know why. Like, let's just. There's something pure about joking about John Cena. Like, I mean, yeah, he like I I was wasn't really joking when I said he was like evolved to be the perfect human being. He kind of is. A little bit. Like it. It's his wrestling shtick, sure that he's like you know, and you know he's like the best. But like he also kind of is. A little bit. Like. <laughs> He, he he goes around and like visits sick children. I think he's the, he's the closest we have to Captain America aside yes, from Chris yes. Evans himself. Right, like, exactly. Like there is a thing on YouTube of John Cena pulling pranks on Cena fans, and the prank and the prank is like they're brought in to um 
like audition for some commercial they say or something where they denounce John Cena and he's actually hiding behind this uh like <laughs> fake wall or whatever and so when the people like announce him he actually comes out with an entire band oh behind God. him playing his theme song just to like just to, like surprise fans it's the fucking just, best just remember that clip of like from a wrestling segment or something I don't, remember, don't know where it was from but like it's him in like a suit Waving, like sitting at a couch, like waving his hand in front of his face, and two people don't rec- like don't pay attention to him in the room, and he just goes to the camera. Right. It works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Anyway, back to Digimon. Um, yeah, they're they're eating. Mimi is um, God, Mimi is obsessed with food this episode because she's just talking about how how amazing this is, how it's. She feels like a new woman. It's changing her life, this hamburger. I'm not gonna lie, this entire episode, I've been really relating to Mimi. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely can understand how it is when you're starving and you've been traveling all day and you just get to a greasy beef burger. starving. Sure, but, like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, in that situation, you get to a greasy burger joint, oh my god, it's the best thing ever. I do love the secret, like, plotline they've threaded through this with the Prince's episode in this one, and then I'm guessing later on, because from, like, vague memories, Mimi really just fucking loves chowing down. Oh, yeah, no, like, on some subconscious level, she is the most like the Digimon. Yeah, like, she works on base primal instinct and desires. <laughs> and Mimi, same. <laughs> well, I mean, her her crest is... Real translation is the crest of purity. Maybe that's maybe that's what they mean. She's the most pure person in that she, like, all she really wants is to fulfill her most base desires. Like, she's not she doesn't have ulterior motives. That would really explain Rosemont. I mean, I mean that's a base desire for some people, I guess. <laughs> it's a very um, I wouldn't say pure desire, but it's purely driven by something. It's it's pure in the scientific sense, maybe not the moral sense morals by what standard are we judging those yeah no i mean like i immediately said that and was like um actually i have i have arguments against my own statement I'm here gonna, like joel joel come on it's pure it's pure it's not puritanical there we go although the one time i did say i was pure on twitter as a joke i had a million people go that's not fucking true i mean you gotta you gotta massage you gotta massage the definition of the words i think like a little bit <laughs> you don't you don't hide who you are as a person from the world except when I'm at work and dealing with normal people well, and then I have to well well I'm yeah um I wasn't really intending to get go that direction with it but yeah well no I mean at work I'm out but it's more the case where like I don't reveal all the weird shit I talk about on the weekend well, yeah no the... I mean exactly there's that's I, no exactly like there's there's a matter of like time and place or whatever but like when in a place where appropriate to like you don't you know you're you are exactly who you are and you neither hide from that nor apologize for it and that's a good thing i did end up telling my mom about the the kerfuffle last week with this podcast just as just as like it's such a casual anecdote like yeah we kind of had a snag Back to the actual podcast, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good lord. Okay, um yeah, if if it's just the two of us and we're drinking, which yes, I did join you in that. Excellent. Um Um yeah, that that was maybe a mistake because we're very distractible. <laughs> so 
yeah, about the food. So basically, yeah, all the kids except for Joe and Izzy are just chowing down on burgers and fries, which makes right. me and the, the... really crave some burgers and fries right now. Oh, yeah, same. Um, And the Digimon are, like, super into this food and can't kind of can't shut up about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, Matt actually chews them out for that. He's like, um, guys, a little louder. Not everyone's looking yet. Yeah, just like, and again, like... He's not wrong, but Mimi actually does look around, and she's like, uh, actually, nobody's noticed yet, but, uh, oh, but he's right. You probably should, like, shut up. Yeah, just in case. And then... And it's it's a good thing that happened because she notices that Joe and Izzy showed up. Yeah, and... and it's apparently the first time any of them have noticed that they weren't there. <laughs> but then... Joe, of course, is just like, fine, I guess we're eating now. And then they point out that. Yeah, yeah. Ty was, yeah, Ty's like, oh, hey, you guys finally made it. Like, Ty, you, did you think they were, like, just lagging behind? They were in front of you, Ty, and then you turned around, and then you became the one at the front of the line. That's not their fault. And then he's like, you guys should grab something to eat. And Joe rightly points out, uh, how can we do that when you guys have all the money? And then Mimi points out that they spent all of it on the food. Now, I want to point out that on this table are, like, cartons of fries that aren't finished. And, like, it looks like there's at least one uneaten burger there. They could easily just give Joe and Izzy some of their food. Yeah, it's not hard. And, like, like I get it that you guys are probably still hungry, but all of you eating something is better than some of you eating nothing. Yeah, exactly. Which is especially fucked up considering, like, how this episode actually ends when I think about it. Yeah. We'll get into that. But, um, yeah, but Joe has a, a, a moment of assertiveness for Joe where we actually get, like, a flaming background to, like, demonstrate the amount of rage he is feeling. Yeah. And just, like, him... I've been this person before in a group of friends. Just... Like, he goes off on them for being selfish then immediately realizes he yelled and made a scene, gets super embarrassed, and, like, awkwardly, like, stomps off. Yep. <laughs> Just muttering in his breath, like, oh, these frozen, frozen, god damn, god damn it, why, why do you fucking eat everything? <laughs> Meanwhile, Izzy immediately, immediately sees something technological-related and tunes out the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, thank god, the Digivice is lit, lit up again, I don't have to pretend to care about these people. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a case where he notices that the devices only seem to work in close range now, between all of them. Which makes them pretty fucking useless. Yeah, especially in a fucking urban sprawl like Tokyo. Like, hey, this is a tracker that, this this is a, uh, like, a tracker for, like, you know, staying in touch with your team, but it only works when you have line of sight on them. Yeah, it's kind of like crappy walkie-talkies you buy as kids. Like, they don't really have much <laughs> use. Yes. <laughs> yes, as soon as you go upstairs with them, they stop working. God. And then, you know, they all point out that we should, we still have to make our way to Odaiba. How are we going to do it with no money for the train? Yep. Yeah, they yeah they just then realize, oh, yeah, we spent all that money. We are stuck here now. Yeah. And then Ty goes, you just leave that to me. Cut two. Oh God! I the love way the they're all huddled behind these bushes is fantastic. Like why? Like what? It's like completely un. Well, I mean, given what Ty is actually doing, I would hide too. But in yeah. theory, Ty is in theory. They don't need to hide to like call a car. If they're trying to hitchhike, you should hitchhike as a group. Yeah, like. It will be. This worse. looks super suspicious. Yeah, and I would not stop for this. 
God, and just ties in the, like, just off the curb on the street, doing this whole dance, throwing his, like, thumb in the air, screaming at... Oh, he is just, yeah, he is just flipping out. He looks like a kid who just, like, drank a, uh, like, a freezy that was all syrup. <laughs> and he's just tell- he's just yelling out, Please, you gotta help me! This my sister's cat is stuck in a tree and I'm dying, but I've gotta go to the- get it down! Okay. <laughs> You know, you know that episode of The Simpsons where Homer intentionally gains a bunch of weight so he can work from home, <laughs> yeah. and he realizes that the plant's about to explode, and he try and he like flags a car down and is trying to explain it to the guy, but he's so panicked that it all comes out in a mess, and the guy freaks out and drives away. That's literally it. Hey, guy, you gotta help me! I was gonna, everyone's gonna explode! Everyone's gonna, I'm, everyone's gonna die, especially me! You know? <laughs> That's what and Ty's then, yeah, doing right now. Just like easy comments that they'll they're gonna lock him up for disturbing the peace anytime soon. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No one's gonna stop for that. <laughs> and then, like, you know, Ty calls that man and says, "Okay, fine. If you got, if you're so good at this, and you give it a shot." And so there's a scene here that feels like it ends too soon okay, because it was cut. A car drives. Yeah, a car drives past. Well, no, before that, a car drives past Ty. And like where he's like basically standing in the street, and he like yells at it. It's like, "Hey, I got right away here!" And the car like breaks, and it looks like they're gonna back up and like throw down with him, but nothing happens. I think, yeah. Uh, I don't think that that was the scene cut, but this one. No, I don't think that's. I don't think that's the cut. Like I felt going into this that there were a ton of stuff cut, and it turns out most of that was just apparently dumb editing. I mean, that's usually the case with this show. Right. But yeah. But yeah, so Matt calls out Ty's methods as ineffectual, which I don't think anyone could argue with. No, like, he's like... Except Ty, who tells Matt, well, you think you're, you're so smart? You do it. And Matt just, like, he just stands there, like, trying to look stoic and cool, but also super embarrassed and blushing at having to do this in front of everyone. And we get, like, the ramp-up climactic, like, cliffhanger music. And then he just dejectedly, like, gives up. <laughs> Yeah, because Matt's the, Matt's the kid who acts like he's a cool, tough guy, but is super, super self-conscious. Yeah. The funny thing is, in the original, Matt actually manages to get an attractive, like, an attractive woman to pull up. Of course. I assumed that's what happened here. And that was what made him embarrassed, because, oh no, a pretty lady is talking to me. Yup. And then, the funniest thing is that when Matt, is Matt, actually refuses the right, and Ty gets really mad at him, Matt just shouts back, they can't fit in that car. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think they mostly cut that because... Also, yeah. Matt, you're a 10-year-old yeah, boy. Yeah. Stranger danger. Yeah, exactly. Stranger I think, danger. I think that's why they You cut do not that. want to get mixed up with a driving age woman who wants that. Yeah, just like... <laughs> I just like that idea as well. Like, he just said, he uh, if it weren't for the rest of them, he would have said yes, which is like, Matt... Matt, you're a child, Matt. Please, yeah. no matter how cool you are, you, you think you are with your, you know, sleeveless turtleneck. Please, <laughs> no. It breaks my mind every time forget, I realize I keep, it's a sleeveless turtleneck. Yeah, I keep like, forgetting that's a fucking sleeveless turtleneck. Jesus fucking Christ, Matt. Anyway, and I, I do love in the English dub though when Ty like says it's not so easy. Matt's response is him just yelling, "At least my cat's not stuck in a tree." Yeah, like that's a pretty good retort. Is at least my. At least I just chickened out. I didn't try something phenomenally stupid. Or like that for a second, Matt forgot that Ty's ruse to get it to get a ride was he forgot that wasn't the case. <laughs> like just in his embarrassment. Oh God, yeah. And then comes Joe and Izzy. Oh Jesus. 
Oh, these fucking clowns. Like, they straight up are, like, just... So it's not like, oh, they're holding up their thumb or even throwing it in the air like Ty was doing. They're, like, double-thumbing their way in the air? Like, they okay, become... Okay, okay, let's, let's circle back to double-thumbing for a second here. Okay, yeah. Um... Yeah, what's the problem with double-thumbing? I mean, they're, they're, they're children. I- I'm not making a sexual, Joel. That's, that's gross of you. Right. Right. Well, okay, yeah, that's, is, that's okay, my problem. Yeah. Is, is thumbing really a thing? No, it's really not. Well, hold on now. I'm trying to make something out of this that's not really there. Well, now I'm right. googling thumbing, so I hope you're happy with yourself. <laughs> yes, actually, I am. That's the best possible outcome of this. To press, move, or touch something with one's thumb. I get, yeah, that makes sense, I guess, but... That's, it's, okay, that's I'm pretty going to broad. Urban Dictionary. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Urban Dictionary is cheating because you can literally make up a phrase out of whole cloth, and it will exist on Urban Dictionary. I know, but I'm looking at the older ones, and it's like... Uh, okay. The, okay. This uh, this this definition from October first, two thousand eleven is say, is saying that the hip new way to indicate that you are texting. What? Matter of fact, all the really cool kids now refer to texting as thumbing. That is absolutely not true. Jenny and I examples given. Jenny and I were thumbing most of math class today. Yep, see, tell me that doesn't sound sexual. <laughs> Another crazy would be, thumb you later. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I I, circled back around. To t- yes, I stand by, that okay, sounds dirty as fuck. Uh, July 15, 2010, the act of getting kicked out of a gentleman's club by inserting thumb in exotic dancer's anus. I mean, that, yeah, that would probably get you kicked out. I'm pretty sure that's frowned upon. It's only the third definition that's closest to what I am you and I probably imagine just thumbing to be. Yeah. God just te- thumb you later. I mean I mean you, you start with one and then when you're ready to work up you double thumb. Or you just well, you know, if if your partner's consenting and up to it, you just go whole hog for both of it. At the same time. I yeah I recommend against that. Just get in there. Like a Thanksgiving turkey. That is not a good <laughs> way to present that. I don't know. It depends what you're into. Who are, you, who are we to judge? I, I mean, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just... That's maybe not the most accessible route to take. No, but, you know, hey, sometimes love is worth it. Anyway, I'm going to send out another question... Audiences. All right, shout out to the shout out to the one listener who heard all of this and was like, "Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about." Please, if you like, when this comes out, when this airs, and if you do like have any opinions on thumbing, please email them to Tyler. To the... <laughs> yes, please email them. What is our email address? I need to look this up to make sure those emails get there. We'll, okay, we'll get to it at the email and question segment. Um, but first of all, I'm going to send out a tweet saying, "Also, give us all." Your opinions on hashtag. Okay, what thumbing. the what the hell, Squarespace? You're making me log. Okay, first of all, you're making me log in. What the hell? Second of all, when did I ever log into something with the email address sup at da.wg? Who? That's got to be Matt's email. No, no, that's a that's an email address I made up to sign on to something. Oh, once. okay. <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty good email. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. I have no memory of doing it. Actually, no, Matt's email would probably be, like, something like, you know, it's your boy at... (laughs) (laughs) 
It will be something that has nothing to do with any of his other online handles. This is true. Because that's how he rolls. That's very true, yes. <laughs> Fuck, I have no idea what my... I feel like Matt just is. only makes burner online accounts. Like, all of his accounts <laughs> are, on, are just burners. I mean, can you blame him? No, definitely. It's, it's a fantastic way to keep completely anonymous. Well, and... I, I, I mean, it's not like he really shies away from who he is as a person, but I feel like maybe having outs oh, no, would be it's a great. good thing yeah. for him. Yeah, no, he's got self-destruct buttons ready to go, I bet you. Oh, right, we're recording a podcast. Anyway, um... Shit. <laughs> God, this is so terrible. Anyway, yes, uh, Izzy and Joe are... Okay, I'm not going to say double-thumbing for them, because you're right, they are children. Izzy and Joe are just throwing their thumb, it thumbs looks in the air. Like, yeah, it looks like they're... You know, ten-year-olds making up some sort of a cheering routine. This looks like they're pretending to be wibbly wavy um tube men. Like, yes, wacky wavy arm flailing inflatable tube men. Thank you. I don't know. I can never get the order I, of those words I right. Literally, I practiced that at one point. I'm gonna use that when I have the opportunity. <laughs> but they're also just yelling "Hey, taxi!" and all the kids are laughing. And then a taxi, of course, stops because hey, it's a couple of kids yelling yeah. taxi. Yeah, it's it's the most it's the most ridiculous. You know, effort yet, so of course it's the one that works. Yeah. And then the taxi stops, and they go, hey, can you take us to a diver? Do you have money? No. And the taxi man just closes the door and drives off. I mean, you typically don't pay up front because the amount you have to pay for depends on the route. So... I think it's more that he saw just two kids trying to hitchhike. Well, no, no, and no, then... no. I'm Him asking is fine. What I'm saying is... You lie about it and deal with the repercussions later because your kids, what can he really do about it? That's true. Sora did just con a train full of people into, you know, trying to buy a fantasy product. That said, all those kids and their Digimon are not fitting in that cab. No, you're right. Like, Again, Even like... if you put the Digimon and TK in the trunk, they're not all fitting in there. God, you're right. There's like, there are like 14 of them including the Digimon. That's kind of fucked up the more I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. You know what, actually? There's a lot of bodies. That's actually pretty commendable for the dub to maintain 14 voice actors like that. Actually, yeah. Like, and no double up? That's... Well, shit. Okay. Mm, crap, we have to I'm now even more surprised that they didn't go the obvious route and have the kids' voice actors voice act their Digimon. Yeah, because that would have... Yeah, that would have been charming to some extent, not, but also, yeah, not like, only not only would it have worked in fiction, but like it would have been a great money saving opera. Well, not really, because it's not like no. I'm sure they didn't pay those voice actors much, because mm-hmm. that industry is a problem, just a teensy bit. But yes, okay, uh, we okay, then we're get... we're two thirds of the way through this episode, and it's been an hour and a half. We need to stay focused here. Oh, now that you said it, we're not going to, but we'll give it a well, shot. No. I mean, we weren't anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, we then have a character from Totally Spies into the episode. Oh, my God. So, this is something that almost, I, like, this is absolutely something that was massively changed for the English dub, right? Yes. So, basically, like... So, we, not, actually, like, skip, we actually skip seeing, like, Mimi and Sora say, hey, it's our turn now. But, yeah, like, it just cuts to this. And, essentially, it, we get a van with, like... A blonde-haired rockin' dude at, yeah, at like the this wheel. Yeah, like, this is Matthew McConaughey in um, Dazed and Confused. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck it is. 
<laughs> it it absolutely is. Like if all that's missing is the voice. Oh, I want McConaughey Mon. <laughs> God. No, I'm not, I I just I'm just trying to imagine like Matthew McConaughey in the Digimon world. You know what the best thing about in training Digimon are is I keep digivolving and they stay the same age. I I I'm throwing off throwing away my headset cuz that was going to be the joke I didn't want to make. <laughs> I mean, it it had to be said. Did it? <laughs> in as, well, okay. in so much as anything on this show has to be said. What was it, two minutes ago we said we we're going to be focused and we started talking about Matthew McConaughey on the Digimon podcast? Look, okay. it's not our fault that they put him in the episode. <laughs> That's true. We can't blame them for putting Totally Spice right. Matthew McConaughey into Digimon. Anyway. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. This, this clearly, like, late teens or early 20s scumbag mm-hmm. drives up in a van and he goes, and like, we are told by the dub that it's Sora's cousin. Yeah, like he goes, "Hey, Sora, is that you?" And they go, like Mimi and Sora, like, "Woo, girls did it! Yay!" It's like that's you know the pose they pull off is cute. I'll give them that. Yep. And but then, but there's some subtext here that they tried their best to paste over because American television for children cannot, cannot show a bunch of children getting into a van with a stranger. No, that is, I'll say, that that is the, earlier they also mentioned that, you know, Joe said his parents don't let him get on public transport by himself. That is the, one of the biggest cultural differences in Japan and the West, especially uh, America, is that there's an inherent trust in children to be able to do, you know, to be able to handle themselves. Right, whereas America has proven that we can't, like, it's not the children we can't trust, it's the rest of us that cannot be trusted. Yeah, it's usually the case where in Japan it's actually quite common to see, like, little kids walking home from school on their own. And to be fair, in, like, there's a lot of small communities in America where that's absolutely the case as well. Like, mm. town I grew up in, that wouldn't be, like, that wouldn't be a weird thing because, I mean, you, even as kids, you know most of the adults. Most yeah. of the adults know your parents. Like, there's, everything's connected. So, like, if you see your classmates getting into a car with, somebody who's not their parents, you usually know that it's their aunt or their grandparents yeah. or something. Like, everyone kind of knows everyone. It's also the case there's there's more of a willingness to act and intervene if the public sees something wrong. Right. Like, or socially unacceptable. Like, um, it's the case where, yeah, if you are on any public transport in Japan, especially Tokyo, don't pull out your phone. It's just rude. It's rude. Like, especially if you're taking calls. Like, that's huh. the thing. You don't do that. If you do do that, no matter what demographic they're from, someone will tell you off in public for it. The, and the advent of, like, mobile games and stuff hasn't really changed that? I think it's more the case where if you've if you've got, like, headphones in and listen to music, if you're texting, if you're just browsing, you know, Twitter and stuff, that's fine. Just don't accept and, like, talk on your phone on the train or public transport. Okay, see, that that actually makes sense, because then you're having a private conversation in a public space, and I I would actually agree with them. That's fucking rude. Yeah, it really is. It's like the thing where you just, you're not supposed to do that. And it's also the case where, you know, you'll get, like, um, incidents of, you know, people trying to, like, take upskirt shots or, like, trying to, like, yeah. you know, yeah, or even shoplift, and there's more of a willingness I've seen in East Asia, not to, like, a huge extent, but still, it's there, um, it's more prevalent, this willingness to just call that person out. Right, yeah, there's a, there's definitely, a, like, an undercurrent in, like, Western culture, American culture, for sure, of, like, don't... Don't stir the pot. 
not necessarily don't interact with strangers, but like don't make waves, don't yeah, you know, don't intervene in other people's lives, even if they're subjecting you to their lives against your will. Yeah, like, essentially. When you're in public, don't make waves, don't draw attention. I should find those article about like why there's actually such a trust in Japanese kids and why it's actually you know, safe for Japanese kids for the most part to travel on their own. Right, like, because, yeah, you'd think if that was, like, that wouldn't still be the case if kids were going missing a lot or, you know, mm. bad things were happening to kids on their own. Like, yeah, the biggest like, it... reason why it's no longer culturally acceptable in America for kids to be unattended is because of the number of incidents we've had yeah. of bad things happening. Yeah, like, it is funny, it does change the context of this episode a little bit because in a more, from a, you know, from my own outside perspective, understanding the Japanese perspective on this would be that this is a bunch of kids on their own, just like traveling, having a day out, yep. whatever, doing what they do. Meanwhile, f- you know, from a Western kid's perspective, it's also the case of like, man, these kids get to go out on their own. That's so wild. And like, they don't have parents with them. Yep. And like, you can't disguise that this is set in Japan, but you also can't inform an entire like nation of kids with like, very little exposure to outside cultures like it's one how thing that all to, works yeah it's one thing to try and censor like things like food and other like ways of culture like you know bowing like i've seen they you know four kids have done with um one piece and stuff but it's something to like yeah maybe try and smooth over the edges of some very complicated like cultural distinctions between these two countries it's the difference between translation and localization where yeah. it's not just a matter of making the words fit it's also recontextualizing stuff when it's a situation where you would have to divert from the story to explain it. Yeah. Well, speaking of diversions, back to the actual show itself. (laughs) (laughs) I think this was one of our more justifiable diversions. Yes, definitely. Um, But yeah, we cut to this scumbag going, you're only here because Sora's my cousin. You're like her luggage, and luggage doesn't talk. Right before that, I do want to call out... um, Mm -hmm. The, kind of the culmination of the Digimon constantly asking inane questions where um, Koromon asks Ty, what's a cousin? And Ty's like, just forget about it. Like, he's done answering questions. Yeah. Also, it's one thing to answer about like siblings or like other kids, but to answer, what's a cousin? Okay, so um, parents. Remember parents? I think we kind of covered parents before. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So they also have brothers and sisters. Oh, what? And those brothers and sisters are also sometimes parents. Really? Yep. And you see, so their kids are kind of related to us, but also kind of not. Like, we could probably marry them and it would be kind of okay. That's kind of weird to me. I mean, like, you're you're telling me other people have kids? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) how it would go. And it would continue on for, like, an hour. Yeah, God, I can remember when I was first explaining what the hell cousins were. Like, it's one thing as well, like coming from a family made up of also stepchildren, trying to explain what a stepchild is to other kids as well, because they don't understand. Yeah, that no, concept. I mean, I mean, I've even run into that with like being in a small community that my extended families lived in for generations, like explaining the relationship of like second and third cousins and like cousins yep. removed and all of that. Like, God. That's always just been like okay. Fuck it. I'm taking over the podcast for this, like genuinely for the second. What the fuck does it mean when a cousin is removed? Okay, so like a baseline cousin is going to be somebody of your generation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like my parents' siblings 
kids are my cousins. Mm-hmm. When my cousins have kids, those kids would be my cousins once removed because there's a generation gap between them. Right. Okay. So in a in a larger like extended family that actually still gets together, which would include mine, like that comes up because like you'll have multiple generations beyond the immediate family in a like a single location. Okay. All right. All right. That okay. That actually answers my question. Thank you. <laughs> I've been, I've been yeah. trying to figure out what the fuck does this mean. <laughs> sure. So yeah. No. It, it it took me a little while to get it too. But yeah. It's, so it's like. The the mainline cousins, first cousin, second cousin, etc., is based on what generation the um siblings are at. Right. And then the removed, yeah. once removed, twice removed, is based on what generation you are a part of and what generation they are a part of. Gotcha. Okay. Well now we can move back to the scumbag and Digimon. <laughs> yeah, so this so this adult man who picked up two 10-year-old girls <sighs> and all of their friends. <sighs> I mean, he even looks like a scumbag. Like, he's got kind of a creepy look on his face, kind of scowling and smirking, and he is... He, he looks like a surface scumbag. Like, Matthew McConaughey is a perfect example of this. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, his Matthew McConaughey's early career was basically this guy. Yeah. And, yeah, he's telling them, like, you know, you're not allowed to talk, don't move, don't do anything, you're only here because, you know, you, you're with Sora and also this other girl. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, and, like, all the guys are kind of looking down and they're clearly miserable, like... Mm-hmm. Like, he literally calls them luggage. Yeah. Like, these children. Or, and he says, or else, if, and luggage doesn't talk, or else it gets thrown out onto the road. Yeah, that's that's messed up. And then he gives and then he gives the girls gum. Yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah. And you know, the girls, you know, innocently give the gum to, you know, their Digimon and stuff and Ty yep. also points out to Sora, Hey, this guy's kinda like shitty. Yeah, he the the dub says, Hey, I think your cousin's a major lame but like that clearly translates to, hey, this guy's a huge creepo douchebag. Yeah. And Sora mentioned that he's kind of the black sheep of the family, but you know, hey, he's giving us this, he's giving us this ride and everything. And it's like, yeah, I bet he's the black sheep of the family. He just picked up a bunch of kids, especially two ten-year-old girls. Yeah, yeah, that's the, he's he he's kind of messed up. I'll and say like, uh, the 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 difference here is that he's just a complete stranger in the original. Right, right, and but, essentially. I mean, and- in this yeah. context, like, it kind of makes sense of, look, it, I, I know he sucks, but, like, we can kind of trust him because he's family, and, like, we need this. Yeah, in the other context, it's like... Yeah, in the other context, it's like, no, this was not worth it. You guys should have walked, like, snuck onto a bus or something. Anything would be better than this. Yeah, this is not good. You, this is actual Stranger Danger in the original version. Like... Yeah, like, yeah, like, literally no no joke. Actually, like... He picked up a bunch of children and is giving them candy in his van. Yeah. No. And speaking of, like, shifty characters interacting with children, we get another cutaway of Wizardmon. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, yeah, because the van stops, like, at a crossing, and Wizardmon is pied, p- 
diapering some fucking children. Yeah, he's got a whole bunch of uh, balloons and is, like, just leading a bunch of children off somewhere. Like, no, Wizardmon, you don't have to kidnap all of them. You can just, you just have to find the one. Like, what are you doing, See, man? Like, I, I really like Wizardmon, so I'm still going with my headcanon of he got really caught up in being a performer and he's yeah. literally, like, just sh- he's giving forgotten. them a show. And he's, yeah, at this point, he's completely yeah. forgotten about the crest. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's a there's kind of a running thing in this episode of a bunch of near misses between the Digidestined and Myotismon's henchmen, which honestly also makes sense because they were only given the crest like a copy of the um you know the eight Digidestined crest, so like they can't detect other Digidestined. Right, right, and it's but it's it's like one of those things where like yeah, they'd recognize them if they saw them on the street, but it's such a busy city that it's really easy for them to it's... like pass like ships in a night. It's the whole thing in The Fifth Element where Bruce Willis and Gary Oldman never meet on screen. Yes! Like, they are constantly, like, just missing each other, which is great. Yeah, that's one of those things that you tell somebody afterwards, and, like, they're like, what? No, but what? Huh. Yeah, you realize, there's just no confrontation with the main villain in that movie. God, that's a good movie. God, Fifth Element is a fucking fantastic movie. We should should gather some people to watch Fifth Element on the audio (laughs) entropy. Yes. So uh, Sora's cousin, they cut back to Sora's cousin, and he's got music blaring so loud we can barely hear the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Well, don't forget, we also see Demi Devim on, on a nice little cruise around the harbor. Yeah, yeah, he's just hanging out on a boat, like... This is Demi Devimon's, like, just, he gets a monologue for a short moment. Like, I like the, I like that, like, Myotismon sent everyone on this big, important, like mission to go tra- track down this child and like you see everyone else doing their part walking around the city or whatever like Gatamon's jumping around from building to building checking you know checking anywhere kids gather and Demi Devimon just found a ship to hang out on all day and he's like oh yeah I've been all over the city my Otismon I haven't, haven't seen the kid though god he's he's the perfect Digimon Iago the parent he really is <laughs> Yeah, we cut back to, yeah, Dwayne jamming out. I don't fucking get why this scene exists. Like, the only reason it exists is to, like, bring to attention the idea that there's a radio which can broadcast the news, which I... Right, like, because, yeah, they talk a bit about the um encounter last episode with Mammothmon and Garudamon. Yeah. Um, talk about how And they do actually clean- mention that... People got injured in that attack. Oh, yeah, yeah. People got hurt. Um, People reported seeing, like, these giant weird monster things, and they're still cleaning up the debris, which, weirdly enough, ties into the plot of Digimon Try. I was about to say, the like, episode wait a that second. I've seen, because that's kind of a core thing of Ty freaking out about all the, you know, collateral damage of these Digimon incidents. Do you think they, for, at least for Adventure 01, they just don't have any other plot points it can explore. Right, and, like, it's something that they didn't really have time to get into too much during this actual arc. Yeah, like, I can, like, it makes sense for Try for them to revisit that and go, hey, now that we're older, we can recognize that was kind of fucked up what happened. Yep. But, like, but yeah, no, the real reason this scene exists, like, none of that actually amounts to anything. But it gives us an excuse to being in the car for a little bit until we get to the most important recurring plot point of Digimon, which is Koromon needing to poop. God, like, 
Jesus fucking Christ. How is this, like, a catalyst so often? It's happened so many times. And, like, no... The first major villain of this show was introduced while Agumon was taking a shit. Oh, my God, he was. Oh, fucking God. Like, what? I just... I do love how Ty's reaction to this is an exasperated pet owner. Yes, it's perfect. He's like, you just, just reminded he's like, me. Coromon, you, you couldn't wait? <laughs> like, come on, buddy. I, We've been through this. You just this. reminded me as well. Like, so I've been, I'm obsessed with that um, uh, that anime Haikyuu, which is all about a high school volleyball team. And yes. the funniest recurring thing is that at the every time they go to a match with another school at any like gymnasium, the main character, he always, like, is so nervous he gets a stomach ache and he has to go to the bathroom. To the point where, in, like, the third season, he, like, at the beginning, he's super intensely focused and going, I know I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. And every time I go to the bathroom, <laughs> I end up running into my main rival from the opponent team. <laughs> Just, like, <laughs> every time he meets, he's like... Become, he's become genre savvy about his... Like, bathroom problem? Yeah, pretty much, because every time he went to a bathroom, he's met, like, a major player on the team they're facing, <laughs> who ends up being threatening, and it's so good. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, it's pretty easy to train your body to, like, time that stuff with other triggers, because Lord knows yeah. I've, create, I've created a routine at work to the point where one of my former co-workers would comment on being able to track when the time was by when I left my <laughs> desk for 15 minutes. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, like, I got a lot of shit for being the young guy at the office, so usually my retort was, well, at least I can, at least I can count on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, come on, like, as if you're not going to use company time that, that you're being yeah, paid no, exactly. for to do that. Exactly, like, that doesn't count as a sanctioned break, because they can't, like, re I mean, they can, workplaces will, but I work at a reasonable place that doesn't, like, regulate that time, so, like, yeah. it's not going to count against me if I'm doing that. The best thing in my work is that, because we work in, like, at the bottom of a building, and we use, like, the, because we work in, like, essentially a shopping mall, so right. all shopping mall employees have access to this one specific set of washrooms up like at the top of the building, which is great because it means like, hey, we get to use nice, clean bathrooms. But it's the case where that's the top of the building. We're on the ground floor. So if you are gone for 10 to 15 minutes going to the bathroom, nobody bats an eye because it took you a right. while to there's get up there. travel time. Yeah, there's travel time. You have to deal with crowds, people shopping and stuff. And it's the case where I calculated, like, my bait, because I also get, like, uh, for the shifts I do, I get, a half hour paid break. I didn't realize I'm still getting paid for that half hour in my eyes. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. So yeah, Coromon on the other hand is not getting paid for this. He no, just, he just well, does it because that's what he does. He, it's the case again where like yes, they're babies, but also they can talk and stuff. But also they are animals that you do have to take care of. And my god, Coromon... Yeah, it's this weird... Like, obviously it exists because it's this weird attempt to try and tie it into the digital it's... pet toy that it was based on. Fuck, where cleaning no up else. their messes was a thing. But it's always Coromon. Or Agumon, no... I guess. Yeah, and... like, it's... <sighs> Just, like, fucking... It like, it doesn't... It's weird because obviously they couldn't make a running, like, 
recurring theme of them having to clean up after their Digimon. That would be weird and yeah. it wouldn't serve the plot, but they felt like they had to acknowledge it somewhere, which just makes it weirder. Yeah. But, I mean, in this case, it at least kind of gives an excuse for furthering the plot because everyone has to stop and get out. Um, Dwayne is furious as, like, well, he should be. This is... uh. This is something that you are entirely justified about being angry yeah, about. Yeah, scumbag or not, you're allowed to be mad, dude. Uh, Sora, like, Sora jumps on this grenade, not literally, fortunately, but... Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, but Sora's really pulling her weight this episode. Oh, absolutely. She she takes credit for what happened, which makes absolutely no sense. Because A, she was not sitting in the backseat with Ty. B, like, why? That's not something that any of them could just do without anyone noticing. Like, that's not something that just happens when you're wearing pants. Just, yeah, like, it's it's like, God, even Joe could have passed over, like, his dog, Gomamon, had to go, like... Yes! That would have been consistent with previous lies and, like, (laughs) remotely, like, the slightest bit believable. Although it is funny that Dwayne immediately doesn't buy us and targets Joe. <laughs> yeah, he just completely. Well, I mean, he looks he looks around for the like weakest member of the herd yeah. and immediately picks up on who it is. Like, yeah, and like, yeah, it's Joe. Come the fuck on, like, come on, look at him, look at him in his knee high socks and sweater vest. <laughs> But yeah, so Izzy proving that like for some reason, like maybe Joe's a robot because he Izzy seems to have a weird affinity for actually paying attention to him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a little... Izzy getting getting distracted and left by the group makes sense. But the fact that it was with Joe and they've been kind of buddying all episode, like I think I think Joe's more like worthy of study according to Izzy. Like, how can one person have so many allergic reactions to things? Yeah, that's true. But anyway, Izzy tries to tries to get Dwayne off Joe as he's like assaulting him. Yeah, because gets... he literally picks him up by the collar and he's throttling this child. Yup. And uh, in the process of trying to defend his new friend, Izzy uh, gets knocked off the bridge. Yeah, Dwayne just backhands this other child off of a bridge. Let Which... that sink in for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is he's a tiny guy, it makes sense that a small push would knock him that far back. Like, he can't weigh much. But in this case, we're like, hey, this bridge just conveniently has part of its railing gone and two caution signs up and nothing else. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, it's a plot bridge for sure. (laughs) That's Chekhov's bridge. Yep, because what, what happens is, of course, Izzy's in danger, and the old, the old Digimon instincts kick in. Mm-hmm. And Motimon. Uh, Motimon digivolves, and um, has Tentamon shown the ability to carry an entire person's weight before? I don't think he has. He's not very big, and I mean, to be fair, he's not very good at it. Because well, he, so like, he, yeah. He grabs him, and he's managing to hover in midair, like, hold him from falling further. But he kind of dips a little bit, and he's like, you had to get extra fries, didn't you? Which, no. No, he didn't. It was kind of a major plot point that Izzy didn't get to eat. God damn it, you people. Like, uh, but, like, 
again, I, I have actually missed Tentamon's snarkiness. Yes, no, Tentamon has been missed, and I'm glad he's back. And then um, it's... You yeah, know who yeah. hasn't been missed? Yeah. The giant squid creature that's apparently been in this river. Oh, I don't know. He's a fan favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gessomon, the, the yeah. Digimon who I literally saw on screen, fuck, like two and a half hours ago at this point, um, and immediately forgot his name, and it was stalling until it came up in Netflix. <laughs> Uh, and then I, you know, Dwayne then obviously freaks out because, hey, that's a giant squid monster in the water. Yeah, no, again, very understandable and appropriate thing to freak out about. And then we get um, double the snark when Gomamon comes around. It's like, because when Dwayne bug, buggers off, Gomamon goes, good, your driving sucked anyway. Yeah. And uh, Gomamon's like, Gomamon's just happy he can, one, let loose and start, like, smack knocking finally... some fools, and yeah. two, get in the fucking water and fight something. Yeah, and again, even though he's not eaten, like actually, Gomon's been the one to complain the least, I think, along with Modi. Oh, yeah, no, I mean he's been pretty, like he's been pretty. He picked up on the whole not talking thing finally, and like he's been pretty content to just chill, <laughs> getting carried around by Joe. Like that's it's it's the double edged sort of like oh good a Digimon learned to not talk in public, but also we miss out on Gomamon now. Yeah, no, although like. He is adorable playing stuffed animal. Like, oh, yeah. There's just something just about like... his expression when his, like, arms are hanging out while Joe's carrying him or whatever, just kind of smiling. Yeah, like, Felicity at home, if you don't see it, it's like when you try and carry a cat. Yeah, or, like, uh, there's a really tired... You're holding a really tired, large puppy. Yeah, like, essentially just and his like... big, floppy front paws are over your arms, and he's just hanging in your arms. Yep. <laughs> God, I love Goma. <laughs> Oh, he's Wait, so great. Do, so, do you think he's do you think he's been sustaining himself off of like secretly summoning the marching fishes? <laughs> when nobody's looking, he just kind of turns and whispers, "Marching fishes." fishes. <laughs> and then just grabs one like a bear grabbing a salmon. Is marching fishes our hail hydra? <laughs> Fuck. Is that our secret it's what code you whis- word? It's what you whisper to other members to let them know that you're part of the group. Okay, so for any listeners out there, if you're curious if someone's listening to the Digital Moncast, just walk up to them and whisper, Marching Fishes. <laughs> It'll go over great. Yes, please. It'll go over great. If you've never listened to anything we've told you to do, first of all, good, you shouldn't. <laughs> Second of all, make this the exception. Just the one. Just the one. Christ. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so Golmamon Digivolves, and... um. So this is the other part where I feel like something has to have been cut out of this episode. Because Akakuman and um, Gisomon or whatever, like, fight. Like, they both call out a single attack, and then we cut to a bunch of reaction shots from everyone. Which um, is great. Like, right, which, I mean, yeah, they're giant fucking monsters fighting in the river. You can't ignore that. I love, like, there's, first of all, like, these group of high school girls, like, a restaurant, like, uh, above... The, the bridge in the building, and it's just like this one girl going, and you won't believe what he said to me next. And it's just like, the girl's like, there's like monsters out there. <laughs> like, yeah. And then there's just this salary man at a vending machine. Oh, yeah, this is this is a pretty classic cartoon reaction. He's uh, clearly drinking some sort of alcohol. Yeah, like he's got his like jacket slung over his shoulder, and there's just another salary man on a bench nearby with his back yep, facing and, yeah, the battle. Yep, so drinky so drinky guy is just kind of 
He just sighs. Gazing at everything, looking like he's got this world weary expression. He's just kind of looking vacantly on it. You think because like he can't understand what's going on. The other guy who doesn't see what's going on at all asks him, So how have you been? There's a long pause. They just sighs. You know, same old, same old. Yeah, he just goes long day at the office, huh? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> just like staring at this fucking kaiju battle, like. Which, to be <sighs> fair, I've had those days too, where you get off work and literally nothing, nothing yeah. gets through that weariness. I have seen like because when I get off at work, uh, whenever I'm we're closing up because we close late, and especially on like Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays when it's like party night in the city, I just see a whole cast of colorful characters in my train station, and I'm just like, I just don't care. Like there's no reaction for me. Like yep. when I, yeah, no, I can relate. When I was in uh, Vegas last month, um we walked the strip a couple times the rare times we had some spare time and uh the uh the second time we did it was like the last night of the conference. Um we were killing time between the last session and the um like closing event, which was a concert. Mm-hmm. Uh they got, somehow got the goo goo dolls to play for a uh security like cybersecurity conference, <laughs> which is bizarre. Oh, but right! You just time... remind me. I just I introduced friend of the show Tal to the Goo Goo Dolls through an Evangelion AMV that I did for AMV <laughs> Club. Oh my god, that's an amazing like <laughs> thing to have happened. <laughs> it was great because uh, other sh- friend, uh, other um, friend of the network, um, as we know in Blue Dude, aka Shane, was also on that episode, and the response was so polarizing. Tal was just like, "I've never heard this band before. They're okay." And Shane was just like, "I have heard this at so many weddings." <laughs> oh God, yeah. So my my whole reaction to the Goo Goo Dolls being there was like, <laughs> "Oh hey, I like I I'm kind of familiar with them. I'm probably not going to." Rem- know a lot of the songs they play because I'm hard pressed to think of a Goo Goo Dolls song right now, but like Except that's cool. for Iris, yeah. Uh-huh. Well right. So then so like I was talking to some people beforehand and everyone I talked to was like, yeah, I mean there's everyone named like a couple of songs that they remembered or whatever. But, like other than that, I don't really know. And then they started playing and like literally every song was like, oh right, this song. Oh yeah, <laughs> this song. They guy those guys got radio play, man. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but away from anyway, the Google back onto Digimon. Yeah, God. Yeah. Um, all I was gonna say was like bef- between the end of the session and walk, uh, the concert, we just kind of walked the strip, and mm-hmm. uh, we we went a little further than we should have. And like by the time I realized what time it was, I was like, okay, we're gonna have to really hurry to get back in time for the concert. Yeah. And like you can't just turn around, like you have to get to a spot that has a walkway across that street, because you can't cross those streets. No, fuck no. And there was a bunch of constructions. Like, some of the, like, what would have been crosswalks were blocked off, so we had to keep going a little ways out of our way. So it got to the point where, like, we kept walking walking past, like, street performers and stuff. Like, there were guys on stilts juggling, and <laughs> a bunch of guys, like, playing around with these little remote-controlled things, flying them at people. And, like, we were in such a hurry going back that I was just, like, kind of... You know, barely even looking at him was like, oh, yep, yep. There's a there's a guy there's a guy on stilts who's like tossing stuff at people. Oh, hey, yeah, that guy is um doing a uh, like break dancing on the street. That's cool. Yeah, great. Get out of my way. I'm, I'm in a hurry. That just reminded me. I'm I'm really sorry <laughs> for all the diversions. I'm so sorry, but I can't not keep this in. That just reminded me when my parents were overseas. I think in Singapore, like they were just sightseeing, and these are my parents like. They're none the wise to a lot of things. And 
I'm surprised I've actually, actually I've brought this up with um, Ashley, host of Totally Reprised, but they came across like some of the costs of this show, like advertising and like putting up posters and stuff for an all female rendition of Lupin the Third. Wow. And my mom was like, oh, that's so nice. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. Oh, shit. <laughs> I should find the the picture of the poster they took a picture of, like, God. <laughs> yes. Yes, you should. Okay, back so, to Digimon. We can do it, yeah. Joel. We're nearly there. We're nearly oh, there. Oh, God, we're so close. We're so close. <laughs> um, Yeah, so everyone's just kind of like, what the hell is going on? And, like, the go-to assumption is they must be filming a movie. And someone yep, points out, well, I don't see any cameras. And they're like, oh, well, they must be rehearsing. Because, yes, that is something when you're filming a movie with giant, like, assumably animatronic effects, you just do a few, like, trial runs in... Yeah, in open public. in public. public. Yeah. But anyway, it's weird because... This scene is so weird because they get all these reaction shots. Then they cut to a, like, boat next to a, like, buoy. Then they cut to a scene of one of the replica crests of light floating off. Like a scene from Jaws, like after the shark right. attack. Right, yeah, exactly. Kari just got eaten by a shark, and that's all that's left <laughs> of her. And then the, they you. cut to the um they cut to Dwayne being like, Whoa, did you see that? And all the kids are gone. And they're just like apparently apparently the battle finished off camera. They rustled up some like <sighs> planks. Oh even planks tied them to Kakumon and started yeah. like and just sort of surreptitiously floated off while nobody was looking. Even though everyone was looking. I do not understand this sequence of events. Where did those logs come from? Like, that really was, like, scene missing. And the, the funny thing is, there's no scene missing. Yeah, but I, I was positive this... that they cut something for time. Nope, this is just, hey, the kids magically have logs which they can tie to a Kakamon who just mysteriously disappeared after the battle. Like... I mean, I can buy that, like, Akakumon just got the right attack off and destroyed his enemy, because that's how fights in this show work. Yeah. Like, they honestly didn't need to show us that, but there's some, like, gaps between that point and this point that they and really should have like, shown us. Like, also, don't, the Digimon usually de- digivolve straight afterwards from being exhausted Not necessarily. The like, when they were on, um, this basically this exact same thing happened when they were all split up on File Island. Right, yeah. Where after a battle, they, like, floated off on a Kakumon. Well, again, I think a Kakumon just, like, can, can do whatever the fuck he wants, apparently. I mean, that makes sense, like, especially if we go with our theory of Gomon being able to self-sustain. Oh, God, yeah. Maybe he's just constantly summoning marching fishes in his stomach. Oh, my God. Like, if they can appear... If they, they can, can be anywhere. anywhere? Cause, yeah, because we've seen they can appear anywhere. I mean, they. I don't know about that because the last time they, the last time he had summoned them in a desert, they conveniently came out of a faucet in a fountain. I mean, there's liquid in your stomach. God, that's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the end of prestige levels of messed up. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. Like, because the Kakumon could just. Well, I mean, he's also right next to water, but even then, he's just like drink a bit of water. And then just summon the marching fishes right into his gullet. Like, Gomamon has explicitly explained these fish helping him out as they are his friends. Yeah, but he's got so many of them. 
That is some sociopath behavior there, Gomamon. That is like... That's also some Aperture Science-style eating. Just teleporting food <laughs> yes. directly into your gullet. Now you're eating with portals. Yeah, exactly. Now you're eating with marching... Now you're eating with marching fishes. Oh, boy. But, God. yeah, no, so, like... Honestly, if you're near a body of water, having Ikakumans around is fucking useful. Like, he's your lap Well, rest. except for the fact that now they're huge targets, because Demi Devimon, who hopped off his little boat trip, <clears throat> now sees them. Right, apparently Myotismon had an escalation clause. <laughs> Fuck, those things will always get you, won't they? Like, I mean, he clearly didn't, because Mammothmon was on a rampage on his own, but like, what I imagine happened is he saw how that went down and was like, okay guys, you guys have to keep a lower profile, we can't afford to keep doing this. Yeah, I imagine so. Or, like, maybe not Minusmon, because he's kind of out of commission, except when he's in the dark, like... Probably, yeah, you're right. That was Gatomon. Yep, yeah, Gatomon Ga- went to him and was like, hey, uh, is, boss? Okay. <laughs> is Gatomon his Golda? I mean, she's the hyper-competent second-in-command who uh, advises him on stuff, so I... And Demi Devimon is just both, uh, like... <laughs> he's a Babu Squat and, and Babu, Babu combined. And one. Yeah. Shit, you're right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Fuck. now I have to draw Gatamon dressed as Goldar. <laughs> Although, imagine Goldar's voice coming out of Gatamon. And Goldar dressed as Gatamon. We gotta take this in both directions. Yes. Go- Goldar dressed as Anjumon. Ah, boy, I don't know. Because, I mean, as hilarious as that is, like, the idea of Goldar in one of those, like, one-piece, like, animal suit things... It's pretty fucking good. Yeah, true, I guess. But right, like like him in a, a Kigurumi, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's the word. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty good as well. You know what? Fuck it. We yeah, live in a why world not of excess. Both. Let's have both. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> we've right after I get we've talked about this episode for two hours and ten minutes. We've earned this. Oh, we've not earned anything. <laughs> <laughs> we have earned Tyler's eternal disappointment. Tyler's going to scream at us. Like, he's actually going to yell, I think. He might actually be upset. Like, we've joked before, but this might actually make him mad. He did leave us the keys to the podcast. Oh my god, we... I mean, that was a bad idea, but we could have risen to the occasion. The thing is, we were actually talking about this episode... But we just went on for two hours still. I think we realized we're the problem in this equation. I mean, that's not really a surprise. Yeah. God. Okay, well, we should but, get... Yeah, that's the, that's, the, that's the end of the episode. They, they float off into the distance, and, and Mimi, who apparently also digivolved in order to summon a uh, ride for them, is starving again. Yeah. <laughs> like, she used, she used her... her digital monster superpowers to make that car appear or that van appear. <laughs> anyway, we should move on to questions. Um if you have oh any my questions. God, we, still have a, we still have a segment. Yeah we do. Sorry, Joel. <laughs> no, I mean I don't I honestly don't mind. It's not like I'm Okay, I should get I'm off sorry. this. It's just... Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um anyway, if you do have questions, um yeah, you can email us at digitalmoncast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at digitalmoncast. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at GatsbyLow because I'm usually the one who gets the questions. 
Uh, right. Yeah. If um. Yeah. Stay tuned on evenings because well, evenings American time. Because if you really want to get in on this, uh, Jules tends to live tweet these things. To an extent. Like, sometimes I've been too enraptured by pumpkin crime to, like, really, like, live tweet this shit. Because I, sometimes, I just want it for me. I don't want to share. <laughs> you know, that's that's fair. Like, they'll get it when they get it, when we decide they can hear it. Exactly. Um. Well, first question. Uh. You know what? I'm gonna go through the questions we got last week that I didn't. Go that's through. maybe. That's maybe a good idea. We yeah. uh, we fucked yeah. up there. Um. I was asked by a uh, friend of the uh, friend of the network, really. Uh, replaced with uh with the Y. Um. They asked, "Do you think the Digimon feel a little insulted? Uh, that everyone calls our world the real world." Yeah. You know. On the one hand, they should, because that's kind of fucked up if you think about it. Yeah. But on the other hand, they live in a world where everything is digi this and digi that. So I'm going to guess it never crossed their mind. Yeah, it's kind of messed like, up. To them, digi just means real. That's true. Yeah. Also, frankly, the Digimon, especially this episode of Proven, they might not necessarily really have enough self-awareness or capacity to care about or consider those things. See, I wonder if on some level they don't actually believe in the real world. Like, I mean, they're there, but they don't really, like, it's not real to them, you know? Or it's not digi to them, you know? Well, yeah, the same way it's the, it's the reverse for the kids when they're in the digital world. Like, it still isn't quite real for them. Right. Like, they spent the basically the entire first arc of that show kind of trying to figure out where they were and decide if they even believed they were there and it wasn't some weird mass hallucination or dream or you know yeah no it's, it's always interesting they didn't to see. actually believe they were where they were and i'd imagine the digimon are going through something similar right now yeah exactly um they also asked a follow-up question what if they got the cards uh they used to summon like the gate wrong and ended up in M- mtv's the real world I mean, I might actually watch MTV's The Real World if that was the case. Yeah, same. That'd be pretty great. Although, oh. now I want Talking Head interviews with all of the Digi- Digimon, especially. Oh my god, give me a give me an episode of the show that is just, like, mockumentary style. Like, yes, Give me god. the Digi Office. Fuck, that'd be so good. Digi Parks and Rec. Oh, that'd be really good. Anyway, um, another question I got uh, was from at uh, GBakes93 on Twitter. And they asked me specifically, uh, what's your most favorite and least favorite Kamen Rider series? And do I watch Sentai as well? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I haven't gotten a Toga question in a while, to be honest. So this is, it's been a coming. Um, most favorite Kamen Rider? Oh, that's a toss up between Forze and O's. Forze because it's. It's a punk teen with a pompadour who transforms into an astronaut common writer, and his literal, like, way of... Like, he literally says... Because all the monsters are just, like, wayward teens that got hopped up on evil. <laughs> and at, he... Like, that literally is it. Like, the evil school administration is just pumping out, like, these monster-turning devices as, like, a metaphor for drugs. And Oh, so they're in Sunnydale. Pretty much, yeah. And, like, the main... The main writer in that, his goal is literally to become friends with everyone he meets, ever. And in one point, he says to one of the teen monsters, like, as comrade, I'm going to beat you up until we become friends. <laughs> Fantastic. It's it's pretty great, that series. Um, I love it for that reason alone, just because it's very whole, 
like wholesome, like genuinely wholesome and like really kind-hearted of a show. O's I mean, I like yeah, because... you're having your hook for the main character of being, I want to be friends with everybody. Seems like it's, that's a and pretty good hook. And he has a secret handshake that he does with every single person he turns good again. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where he does, because like, he, uh, in the movie, in his movie, he has to fight his way through like a giant orbital weapons platform that's going to destroy Earth, and it turns into a giant mecha because, of course, it does. And he uncorrupts the air that have been uh, controlling it. At the end, he fist bumps and does a secret handshake with this giant like skyscraper tall mecha. Yes, yes. At- and at the beginning of the movie, he's told by his computer class that, you know, like, computers are, you know, inanimate objects, people, you know, people have talked about AI, but, uh, you know, in my opinion, I don't think we'll ever become friends with computers. And he goes, that's impossible, teach. And then he fist bumps and does a secret handshake with a mouse he picks up from one of his computers at school. <laughs> there's a good lesson, there's a good lesson in that, which is, um, the best way to fight, you know, drug use among teens or, say, pumpkin crime, which, due to the way we record these things, is foreshadowing. Mm-hmm is to make them feel included in more wholesome ways. Yes. Make them feel like they are a part of something and that people care about them. Yeah. So yeah, I love Falls Day for that. O's, though, uh, which is, you know, when you've been announced Comrade a triple, uh, triple O, is I like because, hey, it's a story about greed. I find that very fascinating, especially because it's not the same old boring story you get about, like, oh, greed corrupts all. It talks more about genuine, like, human desire and, like, you know, not just for material goods, but also, like, what do you actually want in your life? And there's some really interesting conversations in that story. But also, the main character is this really nice guy who just wants to, like, he at first wanted to help the entire world, but then he went through, like, this really traumatic incident in his life that made him realize maybe he he should only ever focus on the people around him. And that, like, basically reconfigures the way he thinks about stuff, and he has to He's also, like, so totally selfless, it feels like he doesn't ever want anything in the world. Meanwhile, the thing that gives him the comrade of power in the first place is this demonic demon bird boy who, like, I say boy as in, like, he, he's you know, a grown man, but, you know, he's very boyish. And essentially, yeah, those two are a couple. Like, it's basically canon that those two are, like, in love. Like, these two very pretty, pretty boys. Yeah, I'm beginning to I'm beginning to see why this is a uh, contender for your favorite. It's also very heartbreaking. Like I've cried watching the finale because it's like, oh, oh no. And I may have read fan fiction about that. Anyway, yeah. So I think O's is honestly my favorite. I think Comrade of Forza though is the best one in terms of least favorite. Probably Comrade Game because it was. I don't like the writer whatsoever, and also that's. So, Comrade Game is the one where all the common Riders are, like, fruit-themed warriors. Okay. Like, they literally use, like, so the main rider, he's orange-themed, and they all have, like, padlock-style uh, devices they attach to their belts. And, like, basically a giant, like, metallic ball of fruit drops onto them during the transformation process and becomes armor for them, so he has, like... <laughs> his ba- his sword is like an or- is a slice of orange and stuff, and like he becomes an orange themed samurai. The secondary rider who becomes his rival is banana themed, and his like he's got like a yellow and like silver lance, and like the banana shape becomes like the shoulder pauldrons of his uh, knight armor. And so then was like this season sponsored by Runts. I don't know, but here's the thing with that premise in mind. It was actually a super serious deconstructive Comrider series. 
I don't want my silence here to make it sound like I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> I literally have no words for this. That was the series that all about, oh, power corrupts all. You have to be strong. I was told to be strong my entire It's just like, it just devolves. Eat your fruit, all. kids. <laughs> yeah, just like, what the fuck is this show even? Oh, god damn it. I know people like that series season a lot. I'm not going to rag on them, but like, I hate the writer for that because he's also said some really bullshit stuff in the past that I don't want to get into right now. And like, Comrade of Gaim is also one of those seasons that also requires you to watch like the movies to get the finale, and I hate that because not everyone can watch the movie and not everyone can read the light novels to fucking understand why the series ended the way it did. God. Anyway, um, that was all the questions I got for last week. Man, we uh, we went super long in this episode, and then you read a question about Toku. There is still the question I'm holding off of, uh, which I have to wait for Tyler to get back because he has opinions as well. But I'll just say the question now. We won't answer it because this is the question I can't ask yet because it will literally take up an entire episode, and it's for us to rank our favorite common writers in like a oh, specific geez. time period. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a lot of work right there. We can't. There. Fuck, like, we can't. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll quickly go through the questions we got for this week because there weren't too many to distract us. Um, first comes from Mike, uh, another co-host from Teenage with Attitude, because I mentioned pumpkin crime in my call-out for questions, oh, he asked. of course. Is pumpkin rapping about to happen? No. Uh, one, I missed that episode, and two, I... I... I don't just not rap because I shouldn't rap. I don't <laughs> rap because I can't rap. <laughs> Me neither. Um, For somebody with yeah. years of musical training, I have very poor sense of rhythm. Although imagine if you got, like, spoilers, uh, you know, tiny spoilers for the upcoming uh, anecdote you're about to hear from Joel in the after show segment. Like, imagine if you got then had to be, like, educated through, like, an educational rap about sealing pumpkins. God, I mean... That might have been worse than shoveling snow. Yeah, if I was um if I was slightly older now, like if I'd been a teen in the nineties, mm-hmm. I probably would have had to do some sort of after school program and there probably would have been some lame ass white kid rapping involved. Yeah. I'm trying to, like, think up some rapping lyrics involving, you know, hey, kids, carve into a pumpkin, don't carve into a permanent record. <laughs> well, related to that, we did, I also got a question from, um, at, uh, Doku no Koi on Twitter, uh, why do they let children stab and kill pumpkins? Are human the real monsters? First of all, yes, we always are, no matter what. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, if the, if you're ever wondering, are, is, maybe, hu- are humanity the real Whatever. Yes. Yes, we are. Yeah. We are always uh, the problem. Yeah. Secondly, like, who knows what our next, like, major crisis will be. Maybe it'll be, like, atomic, you know, like, zombie pumpkins. Maybe we're just training. Maybe we're future-proofing. I have a pretty good feeling that's not what it's going to be, but... No. Um, <laughs> I... I think it's really important to for kids and maybe this is just my like somewhat rural upbringing coming Mm -hmm. through but i think it's really important to teach kids the realities of both death and how to both conceive of something in an empathetic way while still remembering that it's there's a difference between empathizing with something and treating it like you would a actual living being so 
if I'm going to go way, way, way too deep with the concept of carving jack-o'-lanterns, I think there's a le- good lesson there in being able to teach them how to relate with an object to the point of giving it some sort of human features while still doing something as grotesque as cutting its head open and scooping out its innards. And like learning how to compartmentalize those two things, I think, is really important to a more mature understanding of the world. You went in a totally different direction than what I thought you were doing. I was going to say teaching kids like bit school arts and crafts is really important, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah I mean, there's no, also that. It's argument. fun to carve pumpkins. Like, yeah, I can also see your, your like your side of things as well, to be honest. Yeah, I get that. Just... Oh, no, I, I fully admit that's going way, <laughs> way, way in a weird direction with it. That's what we always do on this show, though. Um, okay, I think that, that satisfyingly answers yeah. my question. Um, another one we got was from at definitely exists on Twitter. Which pumpkin crime is the most illegal of crimes? And I'm just going to put this out right now to get out of the way. Fucking a pumpkin. I mean, you shouldn't really look at, le- like doing illegal things as a what's most illegal thing. If, if it's illegal, yeah. it's wrong, and you shouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Pumpkin crime, not even once. That said, um, I'm going to say the worst pumpkin crime is any time you're using pumpkins to hurt others. Yeah, I mean, that's the like, case with a lot of I things. I mean, fucking a pumpkin is weird, but you actually aren't, like, if you're doing that in the privacy of your own home, go for it. Pumpkins aren't, like, sentient you're not hurting anyone but yourself. So so you're saying fucking a pumpkin is not necessarily like illegal. It's I don't think more fucking a pumpkin, using a pumpkin it... to fuck someone. Yes. I don't okay. think fucking a pumpkin should be a crime. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. I cannot I believe mean, I I have made that statement. That is a thing I have said. You're going to cut that out and we're going to isolate that audio uh cuz that's an amazing sound clip. I like if I ever ran for office, God forbid, I'm going to have to just go ahead and create a press packet with all of, like, select stuff from these shows to get ahead of it. You're just going to have to, you're just going to release it as, your campaign slogan is going to just be, yes, I know. <laughs> you know, in retrospect, maybe Hillary Clinton should have led with that one. <laughs> uh, miss, miss, sir, sir, uh, you, it on a previous uh, show you co-hosted you said that you'd you still use WinRAW. It's like, sir, sir, you on a on an episode of your show, you said yes, yes, that uh, fucking a pumpkin should not be a crime. Yes, I did say that. Um, I stand by it. It's not a major part of my campaign, but if it comes up, that is my stance. What is more egregious, that that statement of yours or your whole WinRAW thing? Look. <laughs> Somewhere, I made some person incredibly happy out of the blue. I think that I think that stands as a good deed in this world. <laughs> I made some poor software developer's night. God, Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> I like that. That is such like you have to telescope that. That is probably our deepest podcast in joke of ours. <laughs> Like, all the other ones that you can, hey, listen to the show to understand it, or, like, watch our video streams. Yeah, no, the editor, the editor is not going to insert a small text box telling you what issue to check out to understand this one. No, this is going to be the case where you have to try and find the forums we all, we all, you know, hang out on for the most part. I don't think that that came up there. 
Did it? I'm pretty sure that came up in a private messaging. Well, it's even better. <laughs> so that came out of a private conversation, which bled onto us teasing you both publicly on the forums as well as like through the pot. Man, that's a fucking deep one. That's a pull. Okay, so yeah, so the AR, the audio entropy ARG starts here. Yes. Oh, I can't forget. I did get uh, one question um, from co-host of TWA as well, and going pear-shaped, Matt, who asked... <laughs> fucking goddammit. It's not a stack thing, I'm just not going to preface that. Um, if there were two guys on the moon, and they were able to amicably resolve their interpersonal conflict without resorting to violence, would that be <laughs> fucked up or what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because like, that doesn't happen. You know, this I said is, that, that wasn't going to be a sex... I said that wasn't going to be a sex thing. That could still easily be a sex thing. <laughs> I mean, I can... Uh, when we're talking about amical, like, conflict resolution... resolution yeah, yeah, fuck and get it over with is definitely on that. <laughs> I don't know why that, like... That specific structure of a phrase makes me laugh. The idea of just, like, two people interacting on the moon in whatever fashion being fucked up or what. Yeah, the, yeah there's something about the exact structure of that whole bit that really It just works. presses the squishy make Jules laugh portion of my brain. <laughs> Man, I bet you low gravity sex is weird. I bet you it's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, it probably is. I mean, it, most situations of sex are probably great because it's still sex. I mean, unless you're not into that, which is fair enough. But again, sure, if you are, right. hey, heck yeah. Like, man, one day we'll get there, hopefully. Probably not. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see, yeah. We, we, we had talked, like, this was a brief we, discussion we all had, I think. But I mean, yeah. we, we got there, then we stopped going there. I'm not sure we're going to get there again. We'll get there with the company logo. Yeah, yeah, probably. God. Well, yeah, let's end this on too depressing of a note. Let's hope it's a benevolent company. <laughs> God, I hope Elon Musk doesn't turn out to be a secret supervillain. I think that will, like... I think it's more likely he's going to turn out to just have some really fucked up political opinions in the end. I mean, I'm fine with that, because, like... That's not really leaking over into the work he's doing. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> I just don't. I just don't want us to reach the point where we have like twenty percent of the world's population using Teslas, and he flips some sort of switch, and they all turn into like, I don't know, mechas that enslave people or something. I know. I'd be kind of psyched for that to some degree, though. Like, I mean, yeah, it would be exciting on some visceral level, but it would be really bad for us overall. I'll put it this way, I would prefer him to be an evil overlord than, like, say, Palmer fucking Lucky. Fair. Fair. Or Mark Zuckerberg. Like, if it's gonna Mark be Zuckerberg, anyone... Zuckerberg, he has the money, he doesn't have the... Oh god, no, he doesn't have the vision. Will. Like, yeah. No. Anyway, on that note, uh, <laughs> that's been the Digital Moncast, including the ending segment. This is gonna be over three hours long. I'm really sorry to everyone. This is a, this is, this is a nightmare we've created. It's also a uh, proactive apology for um, the last thing we recorded that hasn't gone up yet. Just, like, I think that should just be our sign-off. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm Joel. And I'm Jules, and we're both we're sorry. sorry. Also, 
Thumb you later. And welcome to, again, we don't really have a name for it because it's no longer the Australian segment, really, but it's that part that we record at the start of every show and then put at the end. That's a mouthful. Yeah, um... We'll figure something out. I mean, out. that's this is good a name for a segment as anything, really, right? I guess. I'm surprised I was able to say that so intelligibly after two glasses of wine, but okay. I mean, what are names, really? You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, this week, though, it's not going to be me telling Joel about anything to do with Australia, although I do have a few things queued up for later, if oh, need boy. be. Oh, uh, yeah, boy. I've not been doing detective work, but every time I see a headline, I'm like, okay, he needs to hear about well, this. Well, I, I haven't heard anything really about Australia in over a month, so I figure something has to have happened there. No, this is kind of the status quo. I mean, there's again, there's stuff happening, but it's unfortunately like really like stuff I don't want to bring down the mood mm. with. Like yeah, I've been I... trying to focus on like the jovial aspects. Right. No, I know plenty about that other kind of stuff. I know how that goes. Yeah. It's that's most yeah. of the news out of here too, so Yeah, right there I, with feel like, you. I feel like you know, my US friends kinda need less of that at the moment. But <laughs> um in this case though, you're gonna tell me something that you mentioned last week during a certain recording we made that I'm incredibly curious about. Was that on Was that on air or off? I don't recall. I just know that I've got a slip of paper on my desk that just says in all caps that I wrote with marker, remember pumpkin. Okay. Um, great pie. Um. Yeah. Great soup as well. Right. Love oh, it. soup, huh? What, you haven't had pumpkin soup? Uh, no. Oh, pumpkin soup's great. I have some pumpkin seeds, like, right sitting on my bed right behind me here. Yeah, just add hot water, stir it vigorously. You get the soup. It'll be fine. Yeah, no, that soup's usually hard to screw up. Usually. You'd be surprised, though. (laughs) But anyway, you're going to tell me something about, like, small-town American living and what kids can get up to with that involving pumpkins. Right, okay, yeah. So my, uh, my one real brush with juvenile delinquency... I, I'm sorry, just I can't even imagine those words apply to you as a right. Person. Well, when you it's... when you hear what it is, it it'll maybe make sense. Okay. okay. All right. So, kids in my town—I don't know, probably still to this day, because what the fuck ever changes in small rural <laughs> towns. But at least when I was growing up, the kids in town had a sort of tradition—a really stupid, stupid tradition. Where they would mm-hmm. smash pumpkins on Main Street on Halloween. Petty, I mean that. Yeah, petty yeah. teenage vandalism doesn't really do any serious harm, but is really annoying for city officials and kind yeah, of disruptive. The atrocious. And, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's just just but, kids being jerks. Yeah, so, but the A to B to C on that one works. Like it makes right. sense. So the lead up to that was would be of course getting pumpkins, and I want to say this was maybe about sophomore, maybe junior. I don't think it was junior year. Anyway, I was in my mid-teens, and a couple of the kids at school decided to ramp things up that year. Um, oh, boy. They, I don't know if 
one of their families owned it or if they just like happened to stumble across it. But there was an abandoned, well, there's a lot of abandoned farms around the town. But there was one in particular that they had been, I don't know, they'd found. And they decided to use it as like a base of operations. And the goal was to collect as many pumpkins as possible before Halloween so they could just go all out smashing them that year. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. So, a couple of the uh, more troublesome kids in my class started getting into it, and I don't honestly remember how I got started. I think I was just hanging out at the gas station, which is what you did when you were bored. <laughs> and they were driving around, and I you know, I just hopped in to drive around with them because, I mean, that's what you do. And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, so uh, we're going we're gonna to be stealing some pumpkins around town. I'm like, um okay <laughs> and i mean there wasn't much to it you just pull up uh you know look for porches without lights on pull up grab whatever's sitting mm-hmm. out and run as long as nobody's out no one's gonna see you you're gonna be fine yeah um so that's how it started um <laughs> oh no <laughs> if that's how it started yeah so <laughs> it became kind of a regular thing they would kind of plan out where they were gonna, what they were gonna hit each night, and it's not like we did it every night, but you know, anytime there was stuff going on, really. Um, so you know, we'd drive around, we'd pick up what we could. Um, it was mostly just around town until uh, one day, uh, we were at a, I want to say a volleyball game, and about half, halfway through, one of them comes up to me and is like, "Okay, so a lot of people from a nearby town." I think it was Scotland. Yeah, we've got a Scotland. That's weird. I was about to say, like, wait, that's not a nearby town. It, like, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is, actually. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, like when I first heard there was a Paris, Texas. I was like, that... Sorry, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, you don't have to leave the United States to see the world. Like, I get it here in Australia when places are named after things in the UK, because, hey, colonialization, but... You can't just take that name from an. No, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, <laughs> I I honestly couldn't tell you why that town's called Scotland, but they're um, they were the best people to play in sports because their school song was Loch Lomond. Oh, okay. And that's a fun song. It's better than all the boring, you know, Notre Dame fight song that everyone else used. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, a, a whole bunch of people from Scotland were in our town for a sporting event. And so one of them came up to me and was like, hey, you know what we should do? We should go to Scotland while everyone's here and uh, raid that fucking town. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so we, so <laughs> no. we loaded up. We drove around. Um, town was pretty empty, pretty, pretty quiet. So uh, one person would pull up to the block, drop the other two of us off. We'd, you know, walk nonchalantly around looking for good marks and when we found one we'd grab what we could and run to the end of the block where he'd pick us up and we'd keep going how did you how big were these pumpkins i mean some of them were pretty big um so that's okay so that's that's the next stage here oh no Um, okay (laughs) so at the time we were just driving uh using uh Using my friend's beater car, I God, I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was. He had a decent amount of trunk space, but, you know, it was a trunk. So you couldn't fit that much in there. At one point, I had spotted a, 
Oh God, it had to have been like a twenty pound pumpkin. That thing was massive. I could hardly Jesus. put my arms around it. And I don't know what I was thinking grabbing it because there was no way it was gonna fit in that damn car. But like I saw it and I knew I had to have it. And <laughs> And so I had picked it up and started waddling my way towards the car when we saw headlights. And so I kind of stopped and like set it down and kind of looked nonchalant as, as nonchalant as you can <laughs> leaning against a saying, giant fucking pumpkin. That was fucking Just stupid. taking the pumpkin out for a walk. It's yeah, okay. yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it's all cool. It's all cool. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, they didn't turn. So I then I picked it up and uh, started going again. And then we saw lights hitting from the other end. Of the street, and I'm like, well, oh, no. fuck. So I take off running. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I, I can't I can't bail out of this now, so the best I can hope for is to get into the car before they arrive so they don't know who I am. And uh, I get maybe four steps before I trip right into that freaking oh, no. pumpkin. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, the whole thing just shattered. Oh, no. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, like, pumpkins are, like, honestly frail. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, they're they're basically hollow inside, so, like... Yeah. It doesn't take much of an impact for those things to explode. And the the kicker to it all was I had to borrow my dad's jacket that evening because I, I, oh, I couldn't find no. mine or something. So his no. jacket was just completely plastered with pumpkins. <laughs> I ended up having to leave it in my buddy's car and just tell him that, oh, yeah, I forgot it. And he then surreptitiously cleaned it and got it back to me. <laughs> But in any case, we we quickly realized that we had outstepped, um, or that our operation had outstepped what the vehicle could, um, support. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. And saw the big pumpkin pie in the sky. And I drove a 1987 Dodge Caravan. Okay. So, I wasn't real happy about this, but. Um, shortly after our operation had started, we got a hot tip from one of the, uh, guys kind of running the operation that the place they'd been stashing it at was, uh, going to get, I don't know if necessarily raided is the right word, but like someone's parents were going to be coming by there or whatever. And they couldn't leave stuff there cause it would get caught. No. Yeah. Exactly. So they had to, so we had to move the stash, the entire stash. Oh, no. And the only person who had a vehicle that could support much of that was <laughs> me. I was I wasn't happy about it. I didn't want to get that deeply involved because like I mean I No, I was you're a good in. Kid. You're in. Pumpkin I, in, pumpkin yeah, out. Yeah. No. I, it was it was one thing to tag along with other people when they were doing it, but at, if I'm driving, if I'm carting this stuff, I'm I'm not just I'm not just an accessory at that point. I'm I'm part of it. Joel, did you not see any like young like cautionary tales about like hey, d- like the second you even tag along in like a gang Shit goes down, and you're in for life. Look, look. We weren't doing anything harmful. We weren't... It was barely even theft. Those things were going to die, like, weeks after... Have you not after. seen a Scorsese film? Like, you know how this goes. Yeah, you know, I should have. <laughs> um, That night was interesting because we, uh, as usual, we left a sporting event that pretty much everyone was at to you know, load up and do the transfer here. This is where we're moving it to the big abandoned farm. Mm-hmm. And so I had the, basically the entire back of my van was just completely loaded with pumpkins and other assorted gourds. Um, Wait, like, so this wasn't just limited to pumpkins? Like, just all pumpkin-like <laughs> vegetables I mean, well? it was whatever people had sitting out. They all smashed just as well, right? I, 
I guess I'm yeah, I guessing like if get squash is just as good. I mean it's right there in the name. Yep. So we were we were heading to the rendezvous point to drop everything off and my dad happens to drive past and see me. He waves me over. <laughs> <laughs> wow, hiding that jacket didn't do a lot of good in the long run, did it? Oh no, 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 no. This is just wait. Okay. This is nowhere near the end of the story. Oh, Jesus. So he pulls me over. It's just something really benign, like, hey, can you pick up your sister after the game or something like that? And I'm like, um, yeah, sure. Um, Record scratch. Yep, that's me. You may be wondering how I got (laughs) in the situation. Uh, meanwhile, the literally the entire back of the vehicle is loaded down with cargo. We like quickly threw blankets over it, so it wasn't immediately obvious it was there. But I'm sure it was sagging something fierce. What, what time of the year was this? Like what? What season? I mean, it was right before Halloween. Okay, okay. So like, there's maybe possibly some like drawn out way you could cover this up. Okay, at least there's that. Right, and so the so the the guys are sitting in the back, just kind of like. Just trying their best to be in the way of the view while I just try to get this of... conversation over with as quickly as possible without seeming really <laughs> super suspicious. I just want to see a bunch of teens like with like this lumpy ass blanket pile trying to just go <laughs> just trying to whistle. No, that was, so that was basically it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we hightail it out of there. We get everything unloaded and uh, yeah, I get home mostly scot-free. Um, Mostly, okay. Well, I mean, I don't. You, you, he, your dad can't like it's a giant he, fucking car full sure, of pumpkins. I'm pretty sure, like, flashing forward a couple of weeks, he had an aha moment. <laughs> um. <laughs> so yeah, so after that point, I was pretty much the designated hauler. Oh um, no, you we, were the we driver. Kinda, yeah, I mean, we kept we kept things up for a while. Um. I was actually probably better as a driver because I was let's just let's just put it this way. The the guys running the pumpkin theft ring weren't the brightest bulbs in the class. That's even worse that you like this is literally like an after school special cautionary <laughs> tale. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, I have to I have to go around to schools now and get caught <laughs> on the dangers of falling into uh gourd gangs. God. Yeah, so, you know, we kept things up for a few weeks. Um, I feel like we actually got a little better at it once I started getting a little more assertive just because I, I mean, at this point, I was mostly just in it for the fun of it because on some level, it was kind of fun to play, like, I don't know, it was just sneaking around and it seemed like it was something pretty harmless. <laughs> It's not like it was, we were stealing valuable stuff or That's like what stuff people were going to keep. criminals say, Joel. Yes, yes, yes. I l- listen. I've I learned a lot from this experience, but I'm trying to give you my in the moment. Sure. Yeah, here. but also I'm just imagining like you basically started out as like like tag along, then you became Aaron Boy. I'm just imagining you became Don of this operation. I mean, I should have. If if I had, we would have probably <laughs> it it would have probably ended a little less uh, rough for us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead because right, for a yeah. couple of honestly it was probably just about a week but it feels like it was a while. Um, looking back because it was like fucking twelve years ago. Holy shit, I'm old. <laughs> um, yeah. So we we kept things going for quite a while. 
the abandoned farm we were keeping stuff in, we were just keeping everything in a barn, and we had gotten that sucker pretty damn full. Like, mm. at this point, we had kind of lost sight of the original point. <laughs> there was no way anyone was hauling all this stuff to Main Street to smash it. I was going to say, yeah. There was too much. There was too much. But, I mean, we couldn't stop. We were we were riding that high. We were um, We were untouchable. Or so we thought. Uh-huh. Um, so I've mentioned in the past that there were two cops in town, right? Yeah. The the one was pretty laid back, um, the kind of person who would have been stealing and smashing pumpkins when he was our age. Yeah. Uh the other was quite frankly, a dick. I mean yeah. Um, she lived yeah, lived to uh bust kids. Um so my buddy was driving. We just did a small recon run or whatever, and we uh, pulled in to drop off what we'd picked up. And I had to pee, so I just went around the uh, side of the barn to take care of that while he walked into the barn. Um, I do my business, and I hear, uh, we've got a problem right as a light <laughs> shines on me. And then the federal marshals descended upon <laughs> you. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the cops comes walking out from behind the barn, and he's like, uh, why don't you join me in the barn? So I walk into the barn, which is empty. Oh, no. With a big banner that reads, Stealing Pumpkins is a Crime. (laughs) So... So he's like, okay, so the so the other barn still has some stuff in there. Why don't you help me load up the truck? And so we do that. It, he doesn't say a whole lot to us. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's pretty clear we're busted. Um, we Fucking A. We don't say much to him. In fact, uh, my buddy tried to converse a couple times. I was like, no, 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 just, just zip it. Just, just, yeah, just in, there are some moments yep. where you just shut the fuck up. Yep, yep, just just roll with this. And uh, afterwards, he uh, loads up all his stuff. He leaves. Doesn't, like, tell us to do anything. He just says, go home. I don't know if he even said that. He just left without us. So <laughs> we uh, we left right after. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that should have been the end of it. Because <laughs> um, I, I figured if he was going to bust us or if he wanted to like, his point had been made, and he clearly wasn't going to pursue it further. If he wanted to, he probably would have said something or made us ride with him or what have you, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, so, I'm like, all right, just just take me home. This is this has been a disaster of a night. Um, Let's see what happens from here. So, the, the street I lived on, like, a couple blocks down was the fire station. Um, at this point, it was probably the old fire station because they built a newer, bigger one. Mm-hmm. Um, and at when, when they built the new one, they basically just used the old one as like city storage. So yeah. there was a bunch of like, you know, the Christmas stuff that they put up got stored there when they weren't using it and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So as we as we turn onto the as he turns onto the street to take me home, we see the both the cops um, unloading stuff. That's where they were stashing everything. Yeah. And he pulls in. And I look to him. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> He's like, well, I think we should, like, 
maybe help them unload stuff as like a show of good faith or whatever. What? And I was speechless. I had no idea how to respond to that. I could not do anything about it because I was not driving. Hey, here the look there are those cops who are like unloading our legally stolen goods. We should give them a hand. That is exactly what happened what he was thinking, and I have no idea why. Okay, so you okay, so you went from like cautionary after-school special gang tale to sitcom plot with your dad just happening to stop you while you had a car full of pumpkins and teenagers, and then you end up in another sitcom where the cop fucking made a banner telling you about your crime <laughs> to right. shame you. We got we got the easiest fucking like, yeah, pass yeah. in the world and, for that. And then and now you've ended up in like the the middle of the third act of a unlikely duo crime scenario where it starts to now just all break bad and every cog falls apart from the machine. Yeah, I honestly can't tell you what the rest of that night was like. At at this point, I think some of my part of my brain just kind of shut down. <laughs> I, um, I bet. I can tell you that what happened afterwards was the crappy cop. Apparently must have, like, phoned around to other local cops because, like, we didn't get in any trouble in the town we were Oh no. in. <laughs> oh, no. But. We got in trouble in Scotland, South Dakota. Uh-huh. And what did it was that fucking 20-pound goddamn pumpkin <laughs> that I tripped on. Because, of course, that's the one that, you know, law enforcement actually noticed, because at that point it wasn't just theft, it was vandalism. You were the... Because that thing left a bit of a mess. You were the fucking getaway driver in an Ocean's Eleven-style heist that, at the beginning of the... At the end of it all, gets still busted for a parking violation in a different county. Yup. We ended up uh, having to shovel streets for (laughs) the better half of an afternoon. Like, that's... I mean, which, granted, is still getting off fucking easy as hell. I don't know, because, like, I'm trying to translate what the, like, judicial punishment is for busting a 20-pound pumpkin. Well, that's just it. So, a couple of things probably worked in our favor here. Um, One, like, I fessed up to my dad right away at that point, because it's like, okay, he's going to find out anyway yeah. now. So I might as well just lay it clean. Here's what happened. It was fucking stupid. I regret it already. Dad, I'm a pumpkin um, thief. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. And... Um, the other benefit is a close family friend of ours was at the time the one of the county sheriffs. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I'm pretty and sure. Yeah, so, that was the thing that did it. Yeah, she taunted me mercilessly for years about it, as you know, well she Joel. should. But um, she also got involved at that point. Like she actually went with us when we had to go do the quote unquote community service because mm-hmm. I'm sure I know this wasn't on any records anywhere. Yeah, no. But um, she went with us just to make sure that we didn't get dicked over by the local police. That's, because That's good, at least. I mean, we were a couple of fucking stupid kids. Okay, yeah, like, I'm sorry, this isn't unique to cops, because I don't like cops in general, but, like, you are overseeing two teenagers who got busted for a pumpkin crime. You're gonna fucking do some ribbing, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Come the fuck on. Um, so, the absolute best part about all of this... Uh-huh. ...is guess what got us... Like, our racket 
busted. Okay, yeah, actually, yeah, what actually led to the cop finding your sash? Okay, so, idiot, um, partner who, you <laughs> Who know, wanted to help the police that apprehended him? Sure, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, he worked part-time after school at a, uh, at the local auto body. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And... He was fucking bragging to one of his coworkers oh, about this fucking pumpkin racket that's how we've got. It always fucking is. Yep, uh, a grown ass adult man who didn't usually act like a grown ass adult man who thought it would be fucking hilarious to turn us in. Like, I'm sorry again. If you're given the opportunity to rat out some teens in their pumpkin crime, (laughs) right? Like that is a tantalizing dessert presented from the heavens above. Like, and again, like we got fucking lucky in that he wasn't a complete asshole and he told the cool cop about it. No, yeah, like I'm guessing, yeah, like, like what this should have been is our, you know, our our stash got raided. Yeah. Um, we got scolded and you get a banner out of it. Teased from time to time by the you know, local good cop, and that would have been it. I'm honestly still puzzled by that banner. That banner is was my favorite thing <laughs> no, yeah, about but all did, of it. Did, looking did he, back, he, it's hilarious. Was, was it like hand painted the the words on it? Like it was it was an arts and crafts project. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing because, like, did he have a family or anything? Like, uh, no, not really. I okay. don't think so. That, that, that somehow makes it even funnier. Like him working at home to make alone to make a banner to dissuade teens from pumpkin crime. Honestly, it's exactly what I would have done. No, yes, totally. Like, I'm more disappointed he didn't have like streamers ready and stuff. Like, <laughs> like, oh my. Well, just like he just like instead. Oh, like you. I kind of wish if this I mean, was if this he was literally me. hid behind the. <laughs> Behind if, the barn so that he could, like, me. walk out on us no, no. in a dramatic reveal. If this was me, I would have done the banner. It's amazing. I would have done the streamers. I then would have taken all of your stash out of the fucking barn, but then I would have refilled it with nothing but orange balloons. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would have done the reveal if that was me. Oh, shit. Like, holy fucking shit, Joel. <laughs> yeah, but for a couple of weeks, I felt pretty fucking cool. Oh, I bet. Like, I mean, you watch Ocean's Eleven, and, like, you think, okay, doing something like this, it, I mean, yeah, obviously, it's, like, incredibly dangerous and incredibly stupid and super illegal and, like, immoral and everything, but at the same time, heists are really cool. I'm just imagining you, like, wearing some fucking, like, the the transformation is instantaneous. Like, you got taken over by the goddamn symbiote. Like, you were wearing, like, a leather jacket and wearing sunglasses and, like... I mean, I did that already. Okay, great. <laughs> Even more so, then, you wore two leather jackets. <laughs> uh, I don't know, mid, mid-October mid wasn't usually cold enough for leather. Fair enough. I mean, like, I was wearing my dad's hoodies. Right. <laughs> that, you covered in, that you covered in the pumpkin that incriminated you in the end. Yeah. Oh my god, I want to see an adaptation of this as, like, a, <laughs> as like a six, six-part BBC murder mystery series. <laughs> Murder mystery, but the murder victim is a pumpkin. Yeah, well, like, just... Oh, shit, I just remembered the worst part about the community service Oh, thing. yeah? They made us apologize in person to the family <laughs> who owned that pumpkin. <laughs> okay, 
okay, because like, did they did they buy it or did they grow it themselves? Because I can understand if they grew it themselves. Oh no, they bought it, but okay. it was it was some it was some bullshit about oh yeah, it was our kids' pumpkin and they were really excited about it and you like ruined their Halloween. God, that is which that's where it put it in perspective for me of. Oh yeah, we actually are kind of are being shit. Yeah, a little we're, bit. We're just... Like if if I was that kid, I'd be super upset. Yeah. Like not reasonably so, but from a child's perspective, it's I understandable. Mean, yeah, it's there, it's it, when you're a kid. Yeah, that's all you've got. Yeah, that's object permanence and all that. Like, just <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm trying to like just I'm seeing it in my mind the way this fucking BBC series starts. Like, you just... Like, it's it's that one pumpkin that gives it away, and everyone's, like, going, how do we trace this back? And then it, it then un- unfolds into this whole fucking oh, yeah, intercity I'm picturing, pumpkin. I'm picturing, like, the like part of the street where it broke is all, like, cordoned off. There's, like, yep. spotlights on it, and, like, three or four cops mulling around it, writing notes. And it's gonna be... expecting it. And it's, like, just one, like, the new detective, uh, detective inspector in charge, like that's his first day in the town, and like this is his first call of the day. Like we got a pumpkin crime, and like I thought I escaped the city for this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, God, this is. I'm fucking aghast. Like I, while you were telling this story, I did have like my, well, not really my own story, more my sister's story to tell about juvenile, juvenile delinquency. But I'm no, I don't know if it'll like match up. I don't, Maybe just Australian teens aren't as rowdy. Who knows? I I mean, on the one hand, small rural towns around here are pretty tame. Yeah, I mean, this was more... On the other, <laughs> there's fucking nothing to do. Yeah, so it's like nothing but chaos to create by your own hands. Yeah, yeah. Either you're in somebody's garage drinking or you're stealing pumpkins. Like... That's all there is. God. Well, I'm, I'm sure one leads to the other, honestly. <laughs> like, that's a cycle. Yeah, I mean, honestly, liquor was never a part of this. and That's always the best thing. When a, when a right. crime is done right. sober. It would have gone so much worse had there been. God, I'm trying to fucking... Also, I was way too squeaky clean to drink. Oh, right, because you're drinking ages 21. I keep forgetting that. I mean, not that it stops anyone, and not that it stops anyone here that drinking ages 18. But yeah. Oh no, I I tried a beer um with some folks once, but it was literally one, and I'm like, eh, it was all right. I don't really want to keep doing this now, though. When I turned eighteen, my mom took like the rest of the afternoon off of work to take me to my first pub. <laughs> Says a lot about the relationship my mom and I have. I mean, I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it. Your mom is fucking awesome. Yeah, she's great. Uh, I'll just quickly say my sister's story of delinquency. Well, yeah, go for it. Like, just because as a point of comparison, because this is, like, not similar, but, again, story about rowdy teens. So, we lived for a while, because we moved, we moved a lot as a family, um, for a while we lived in a quiet little suburb, uh, and essentially, what is the nice area of, uh, my state, and essentially my greater, uh, city area, um, and, again, nothing much to do there, but, you know, it was still nice, I was a kid, I didn't really know any better. Uh, I was definitely a child at this point, because my sister is 10 years older than me. So I would have been, like, kindergarten or so. And she and her friends, like, that, yeah, the drinking the drinking age didn't stop them. Um, especially because she worked with a few of them at a local pizzeria. And every now and then, they would have a lot of leftover bread, which had gone moldy. 
and couldn't be used anymore for anything whatsoever. Like, it was just good enough to feed the ducks, and that was it. Sure. So, and they all had, like, cars. Uh, and whoever didn't have a car would just ride along, of course. So what they would do is, at night, when no one was awake and the streets were barren, they Oh, yeah, would... that's the nice thing about suburb- suburbia. Is, oh, like, yeah. After, like, 10.30... Everyone's gone. Oh, yeah. So they would all get in their cars, each of them having some of the crappy bread... And they would just drive around with the windows down and throw it at each other, <laughs> like some like some fucking makeshift suburban gladiatorial sport. Oh God! And then they would pull pranks with the bread, like stuffing it in someone's engine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That sounds about right. And then uh, this culminated the one thing I the. Because I never saw this myself. I just remember hearing about it. So who knows? It could be a tall tale to some extent, like most things are, but. The one thing I do know is that my sister, because she was like, she was A, the runt, both in age and size, because she's like five feet tall, maybe? Oh, jeez. Also, and also like, um, she's incredibly bright, so she was also like a couple years younger than the rest of her crew at high school. Mm, yep. And she was, you know, she was everyone's friend in that group, and... So one day when it was her birthday, so uh, the layout of the old house was, oh, like, my mom's room was, like, right at the front of the house, and, like, if she opened the curtains and windows, she could see, like, the small front lawn we had in, like, the open garage and, like, our little driveway, and that was it. On the morning of my sister's birthday, like, just that day, my mom wakes up, she opens the curtains, there's something on the front lawn which wasn't there before. It's nothing grotesque, just heads up for anyone worried. But it was a stolen park bench. <laughs> like, a full-on, not just, like, a crappy, like, small wooden bench, like, like a wooden concrete bench. Like, this is a... F- wow. Like, just sitting there, and apparently, the night before, all our friends got drunk and thought, what's a good present to get her? Let's just steal a bench! <laughs> yes! So they stole a park bench for my sister, and then my mum knew immediately what to. We got. We didn't like. It wasn't like we you know, dismembered the the bench or anything. We, we like threw the the chunks into the ocean. We like just took it into the back. And so that house now. I wonder if it still has this stolen old park bench just in the back garden somewhere. I mean, I feel like the only real option is to call somebody and have them haul it off, and who's gonna do that? Yeah, I just, like, just imagine, like, of all things, just waking up and, there's a bench on our front lawn. Yeah, that would... Why is there a bench? (laughs) Yeah, that's just mundane enough to be extra baffling. The only thing that I think could have trumped that is if they had stolen a street sign and had planted it in the front lawn so it was standing upright. Oh, see, that that I could see easily. I I think the only thing stopping I stole, them... I stole, I stole a street sign once. Well, I think the only thing stopping them would have just been like trying to get that thing out of the concrete ground. Like, they just couldn't, they couldn't find one that had already been knocked over. Or they weren't right. willing to knock uh. one over themselves, but they were willing to steal. I'm just wondering, how the fuck did they move that bench? And where did it come from? I don't know. Yeah, how many people would that have taken? Especially high school-aged kids. Like, she, uh, all of her friends were, like, mostly guys as well. So, like, I can understand how it probably may have taken less people than expected, but that's, that was a heavy bench, at least to my eyes as a child, but... I mean, yeah, concrete isn't typically light. 
It's one of the perks of it. God, just like... How the fuck did they steal that? Anyway. Yeah, that's it's kind of impressive. Like, just from a sheer logistical standpoint, you know? Right, yeah. So I guess that's been all <laughs> juvenile delinquency... Yeah, you reminded me of at least two more things. Okay, great. Like, in that story, so we'll, like we could we'll just save... keep this going. No, we'll save them for now. Like we should All move right. on. I mean, to there's the... not there's there's not much to them, but like I mostly also want to do this because yeah. I <laughs> I don't know. Part of me still feel guilty that we accidentally outed Tyler as a drug user. <laughs> <laughs> like we I mean, didn't seem too shy about I, sharing that information. I mean, yeah. To, thinking about it, he outed himself. Like he. <laughs> But, I mean, but that's the thing, though. I mean, can you can you really trust a, a habitual drug user to, you know, <laughs> keep a lock on that kind of stuff? Like, well, let's not get into that. But <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely say that, like, this, well, this... let me put it this way: Can you really trust somebody who watches as much Digimon as any of us have well, to be fair. in full that, control okay, yeah, of no, their you, mental fa- no, you facilities? No, you can't trust any of us. Come on, fuck off. No, <laughs> it's really funny when I'm on like transmission and like I seem mildly respectable. And then I'm on this. I mean, podcast. we we have our moments. We have our moments, but then we just spent half an hour talking about pumpkin crime and park bench stealing. Then again, yeah, I, I mean that's. Then again, I'm so I, ridiculously I, I, squeaky clean. I don't think I've actually done anything like remotely like that in my youth. The really, cl- the closest I've come to is just underage drinking, and like, right. That's like more to embarrassing moments than anything roughly like illegal. Although there was that one time where. I was the alcohol mule for everyone because oh I was the first one to turn 18. Right, And that right. was not a smart move by everyone to make me buy everyone's drinks all in one go from one bottle shop. No, I, I, I refused to, uh, to do any of that. I had a couple of younger friends who smoked, mm. and I completely drew the line at like buying things for people who weren't allowed to buy them for themselves. I basically like had one moment where I was buying alcohol, and then this one guy, like, he saw the amount, and he just looked at me and went, just remember, it is a crime to buy for underage people. I was like, I know, <laughs> and I just, in a flop sweat, grabbed on myself and walked out. <laughs> like, yo. Like, uh, See, I know how it is there, but, like, they actually take that shit pretty seriously around here anymore. We take it like, you can... pretty seriously to some degree. Like, there's a movement to, like, cut down underage drinking, which is honestly good, but at the same time, they're going about it in ways which aren't really effective. Oh, that's how it always goes. Like, the, the goals may be, like, admirable, but the methods are never realistic. I mean, they introduced something here... Well, actually, okay, well, here's a little bit of telling you about Australia. They introduced something <laughs> called... what happened. They introduced something called the Alcopop tax, which was essentially any sugary drinks that were alcoholic are now, are like, more expensive. Okay, but sure. But that's not really gonna stop anyone from drinking. No, no. I mean, it might. And then it just made actually. Everyone... It might actually be beneficial in that it will encourage people to drink better stuff. But now it means Andre Sheens are going straight to the hot liquor instead of like just right. you know, vodka and lemonade or like you know right. Bacardi but and those cruises. drinks were the worst. Yeah. So it was the case where like we all switched from buying like you know this. I could list you the brands, but it wouldn't mean anything. Basically, like sugary fizzy, you know. Fruity drinks that, like, had vodka or Bacardi in them, and we swapped from those to, like, just vodka and, like, rum and whiskey. Yeah, so even, like... my, even in my senior year when I actually started occasionally drinking with people, I, um, I refused if all they had were the fucking Bacardi ice, sh- or Smirnoff ice and Bacardi mixer stuff. 
God, that stuff made me sick. There, there are good fruity alcoholic drinks. Those aren't them. No. And honestly, I think it might be better if kids aren't drinking those because they taste so, like, they're so non-offensive, unless you hate, like, sugary drinks, that, like, they're way more dangerous in some ways. Oh, definitely. I agree there should be something involved with that, but also, like, this tax did fucking nothing. Really? <laughs> we're, we're a land full of drunks here in Australia. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of assumed that was always something that, you know, popular culture just kind of, not made up, but, you know, exaggerated. Yeah, no, that's or, like the know. one thing the rest of the world gets right. Yeah. Like, we, we are the Southern Hemisphere's island, or Scotland, depending <laughs> on who you want to pick on. Or you're just the world's south from an American standpoint. That's very true, which is really funny because my boyfriend doesn't drink, and that's going to be, like, I, I don't have to drink. That's the thing. Like, I don't have to. But I like drinking occasionally. It's also the case as well where, like, I get Asian flush really badly when I drink. So... That, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It probably is a good thing, because being with him, I might end up cutting down on my alcohol intake. It also means I won't be, like, <laughs> bright red and blotchy around him, because I don't want to look that way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing if, you, if you're both drinking, because at that point, who cares? Yeah. But... Yeah, the the painful realization that somebody around you is sober when you're not. Yes, because, like, he said, like, oh, you know, he can be my designated driver when we go out to restaurants. I'm like, no. Like, it, I know it won't be awkward for him. It will just be awkward for me. I don't want that. Yep, yep. I, the reason I like drinking with friends is because I can kind of relax and, yeah. you know, just put some of my anxieties aside for a bit and, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, remove a few of the filters. And um, I definitely can't do that if I know somebody isn't, Drinking. Yeah. Although I'd be more anxious. Although I did send him like a, I, did, I forgot, like I did this after, you know, because I was drunk when I did it. Right. Because uh, I had had like three gin and tonics and several shots and a, a couple glasses of wine at a work um, drinking night. Good Lord. I mean, I was only tipsy at that point. I have a very strong liver. I can handle stuff. But I didn't get a hangover, which was pretty good. But I did send. Yeah, I did end up sending him like a really long, like overly lovey dovey message that was horrifically Aww. riddled with typos. And then in the morning, I was like, you know, sending my good morning text, like, good morning. Oh fuck! Of course I sent that, didn't I? Yeah, you know that if if your big like drunken mistake is sending a. <laughs> love-filled message to somebody you care about. I think you're doing all right in life. Yeah. I mean, that then that le night le uh, also led into me buying, like, a bunch of cheap domino sides at my local place. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Because I just slammed down my car. I was like, I just need mac and cheese croquettes and your fucking chicken kickers. Give them to me now. Yep. Give me give me the junkiest fucking food. Mm-hmm. And then I... That thing, I didn't wake up a hangover, but I didn't wake up with a stomach ache. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that could happen. Anyway, we should move on, because this is nearing, a like, three-quarters of an hour of the end segment, and we've got an episode to actually <laughs> record. I'm not going to make the same mistake as last time. Listeners, you may or may not have heard what happened the last time I was put in charge of this show. I mean, and if you haven't yet, you will rest You assured. will. It's coming. You fucking will. <laughs> Trust me. I mean, we've, at this point, we've published stuff that you were never meant to hear, so... Yeah. Anyway, uh, because this will be the end of the podcast, 
I fuck. I don't have a sign off either. Oh. Yeah. No. Uh, thanks. Thanks for sticking with us through all of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't steal pumpkins. Stealing pumpkins is a crime. Pumpkin crime is bad. Maybe. I don't know. That unless, was pretty. Unless there's other crime going on, in which case, go for the pumpkin crime because it's the least bad. Yeah. It, it, like pumpkin... if you have to be a criminal, be a pumpkin criminal. Okay. I'll, I won't say pumpkin crime is bad. Pumpkin crime can be embarrassing. Yes, yes, let's, absolutely. Let's Take leave it, it at from that. me. Yeah. I learned the hard way. Learn from my mistakes. Don't embarrass yourself with pumpkin crime. <laughs> I'm going to have to mention pumpkin crime in my, in my call out for questions today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't live tweet the entire story. I'm, I was enraptured anyway. See, so long, folks. <laughs> See you later. Any questions?